For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Uh, papers this morning talk about the weather warnings that we had. Uh, I know they put labels on them and colours on them and warnings on them, uh, but at the same time, it was the one issue really always will be flooding, won't it? And just businesses and people who live in low-lying areas to take warning and to take heed of it just in case. But Cork City, according to the Echo this morning, was fortunate to dodge any major flooding yesterday, but there was a lot of rain uh, and it did lodge in a lot of places in the city. Uh, if you were in around the city as I was, it was a wet and windy, certainly across lunchtime and into the afternoon, damaging gusts of winds and speeds of up to 110 kilometres according to the mirror. So that's weather for you. Um, a story that we've been dealing with on air certainly yesterday was the state of play in our health service. It's all very well for me, Hall Martin, to be over at COP27 uh, talking about climate change is very important, but speechifying and lauding it up. When here at home, things are in a shambles and you can't look after the sick or the elderly or put roofs over people's houses. A uh, story in the examiner this morning is alarming. Nurses and midwives resigning or returning or re- retiring early because of the level of assaults being made against them. A mass exodus that's expected to only get worse. So resigning or retiring or leaving the country and emigrating to other climes. The examiner this morning says uh, it's all to do with the level of violence against them. 3,400 assaults were made against nurses, doctors, care assistants and health workers in just the first nine months of this year. Three and a half thousand assaults in nine months. Um, And as hospitals are getting busier and busier, the INMO, which is their union, the nurses union, midwives union, says it's only going to get worse because hospitals have become a pressure cooker of problems. Um, Nurses and midwives make up for 63% of the assaults within the health service. So we were looking then at uh, figures released under the Freedom of Information. From January 2021, there has been 7,927 physical Verbal and sexual assaults on healthcare workers have been reported. And of those then, nearly 3,500 between January and September of this year. But when you go back to the start of 2021, it's closer to 8,000. That is absolutely shocking and alarming. I don't know why it's got so bad. I don't know why people are so angry. And I mean, you can't blame uh, the, the frontline staff for problems within the A&D uh, or indeed our health system. Unfortunately, they bear the brunt of it all too often. There are nursing homes closing in Ireland and uh, this morning 16 facilities are reported shut according to the mail today. A lot of it has to do with soaring energy costs. That's why I was telling you yesterday that nursing homes can claim up to something in the region of 30 to 32 grand uh, apparently in the coming months to offset against their energy bills. But what's happening now is that hundreds of pensioners are being displaced as facilities are shutting because of rising costs. While they're shutting, the McCroom Bypass is opening. I know we call it the McCroom Bypass, but it bypasses a hell of a lot more than just McCroom. And that you can be sure, because after you go through McCroom, it bypasses a lot of other uh, towns and villages too. But we're going to get the first part of it open, which is the Cork side of it. Forgive me. I know I'm stupid, but I always thought that the Cork side of the McGroom Bypass was the eastern side of it. The Echo this morning calls it the west, uh, the western uh, link. After months of speculation, confirmed that the western section of the bypass, Coolcar to Caracafuca, well, Coolcar to me is the east, is east of McCroom, but maybe my geography was never great. But anyway, the first part of it is opening on December uh, the uh, 9th, and hopefully it won't be too long before the whole one is done and everything will open and you'll save maybe 25 minutes on whatever journey you're doing, say Cork to Killarney, whatever the case may be, or onwards. So we, um, unfortunately, the downside to stories like that is the ability to find hundreds of millions for that. 
yet we have to build modular homes. Mind you, the modular homes uh, aren't for Irish people. They are for Ukrainian refugees down near Mahan Point Shopping Centre. Needs must and SISC are on site in Mahan and will hope to have the rapid homes completed by January. And that will house, as I say, 250 Ukrainian refugees. Not everybody down in Mahan is happy with that, nor are they happy up in Kill in County Kildare because apparently an equestrian centre was earmarked uh, because they were planning to house Ukrainian refugees there. So what happened? Somebody, I don't know if it was an individual or a group of individuals, decided to torch it and burn it down instead. And that's the story that makes the examiner. I was reading at the weekend that both here and indeed in the UK, there is such a shortage of properties for Ukrainian refugees that they're scaling up um, the offers now as to where they can put refugees who are coming into the country. And in the UK, it's in big stately mansions. I'm not making this up. I, I saw the stories in the Telegraph and photographs of huge, enormous stately mansions. One of them in particular was a stately home for hundreds and hundreds of years. In recent times, it was a hotel and a wedding venue. And now it has been leased to the UK uh, government and they will put Ukrainians in fairly plush surroundings. Uh, Mind you, uh, you know, you wonder whether or not um, even the plushes of surroundings is ideal for people who may, many I imagine, just don't want to be here in the first place. But anyway, the story going with regards to Ireland is that there is a two two million euro Georgian mansion above in County Mayo. And that makes the papers as well because 35 Ukrainian refugees are going into Balanafad House. Um, and they're just putting the final uh, touches to it for short-term accommodation. And it's an incredible, it's an incredible building. It's an incredible home, massive, gorgeous gardens and everything, really stately and plush on the inside. Uh, and for others then who have a few bob, and apparently we have more millionaires in Ireland than ever before, the number of millionaires continues to grow. Apparently 12% of Irish households now, 12%, which is over 1 in 10, have wealth of over 1 million euro. How do you work that out? Well, the way you do it is you add up what everybody has, their bank accounts, their savings, um, what their home is worth. You deduct loans from it, you deduct mortgages from it, and whatever's left in the middle becomes what you're worth. So they're saying something in the region of uh, 12% of Irish households now are millionaires. That's about 223,000 paper millionaires, I suppose. You'd have to sell all your property. But at the same time, It's a cushy little number. Um, And as bad as it's getting within tech or e-commerce, they say that it could get a lot worse. Uh, Micheál Martin isn't terribly worried about that. He says the country will regroup because of job announcements. First it was Stripe, then it was Twitter, then it's, as I call, Meta Facebook, and apparently next on the horizon, apparently for job cuts, could well be Amazon, not just in Ireland, but right across the world. There's a brilliant article in the Indo today, and it breaks down exactly the amount of people that these different companies employ in Ireland. Like Intel employs 5,000 people. Uh, Google employs 9,000 people. Stripe employ 550 people. Apple employ over 6,000 people. PayPal employ over 2,000 people. And so on and so forth. They break it down and it adds up to a, a fair amount of tens of thousands. When you add, And they're just the big ones. There's lots more like that. And they're wondering whether or not there will be more to come right across the board from people involved in investment, in tech, and indeed, I suppose, in the case of, of Amazon or Google, e-commerce. You know what I mean? And then there's more stories regarding uh, alleged abuse. Uh, the latest ones now come out of the very prestigious and posh uh, Blackrock College where claims now have been made against the Holy Ghost schools. Uh, And it's a front page of making 
the Independent and indeed the Star. 57 victims of evil paedophile clerics at Blackrock Castle. Uh, brothers, uh, two of 230 victims of 77 different attackers um, have been uh, been taken to court and there's been a 5 million euro, well these two brothers took them to court, there's been a 5 million euro abuse settlement claim um, and they figured that there's a lot more to come. So there's a story uh, and a topic in Ireland, a shameful topic that is still with us as more and more revelations continue to be made, this time against the Holy Ghost Schools and Blackrock College. Uh, Christmas is coming, but uh, the goose may be getting fat, but uh, it's away with the manger, is a headline in the mirror today. Um, you know, there was a story regarding the mansion house and the live crib, and there was a lot of toing and froing regarding that. Uh, apparently there won't be, there will be a crib, but there won't be any live animals. I was trying to work out why. The Dublin Lord Mayor is in the Green Party uh, and it's her decision to remove the live animal cribs from the mansion house and she uh, and, and apparently the DSPCA which is the Dublin Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals was okay with it they were going to look after the animals and um, everything would be cool but the Lord Mayor was having not, or the Mayor I should say uh, was having none of it uh, she says that um, you know it, she wants to you know do a different kind of Christmas um, and it's possibly cruelty to the animals. Uh, she says circuses have moved away from animals. She said, I'm not getting rid of the crib. I'm just getting rid of the animal, animal element to the crib. And in spite of loads of pressure on her to change her mind, she won't. So there'll be no second coming for the mansion house crib. Uh, I don't think we have any live animals apart from the, you know, the farms that have uh, Christmas things happening, Leahy's Farm and Rumbley's and places like that. Um, the share crib, uh, is, are they live? No, are they? I don't know. I don't think so. I think they're mucky. Yeah. But years ago, we used to have, I mean, remember Buckley's on Academy Street had a reindeer and things like that. But people are a lot more touchy-feely. But it's interesting the amount of pushback against getting rid of the animals in the crib in Dublin. I suppose you'd be talking about donkeys or sheep. I don't know whether you put cows in there, but certainly donkeys and, and sheep and what have you. And then, um, you know, all of those houses that were built during the Celtic Tiger. Well, th- a lot of them weren't built to the best nick possible. Uh, they were, they flew up a lot of them and, uh, you know, builders were under pressure to move and move and get on to the next side. And people now are paying the price of them because of the defects, particularly in apartment blocks and particularly in duplexes. They were very popular back in the Celtic Tiger day, but they figured that there's about 100,000 apartments in duplexes around the country that were built in that kind of 10-year Celtic Tiger period with all sorts of defects and issues that need, need fixing. That's why now the latest redress, they say, that's needed is something like two and a half billion that will have to be put aside by the state if they decide to do it as a redress scheme to help people to repair their houses and their apartments and their duplexes. In other news then, uh, we all heard of the Irish Rail quiet carriages. Is it the one carriage? I mean, I think there could be a demand for a lot more than that, uh, where there's no phones and there's no, you know, you can just go in there and just chill and everything will be very quiet. They call them the purple carriages. They make the papers today. Uh, Although the NBRU are saying that their members should have been consulted first. I I don't know how much consultation would be needed about a quiet carriage or quiet carriages. Uh, The big problem, of course, is um, the uh, lack of security or guardie on various trains. Now, I was on the Dublin to Cork to Dublin train, but got off in Mallow to go to Killarney. But certainly on the Cork to Dublin train, there weren't guardie, but there were security. And there were some serious-looking dudes in... I don't know, were they flak jackets they were wearing? But they were wearing all the gear and they were going up and down through 
the carriages. So at least something is happening. And the papers also this morning talk of uh, Ian Bailey, uh, who has um, decided to join TikTok and he's charging people 15 euro for a 15 second shout out video on TikTok. He really is. And here's some audio uh, of Ian Bailey pitching his wares and then actually doing the shout outs on TikTok. Right. So this is the deal on shout outs. And it's got to be this way that I can do a 15 second well scripted shout out for a special occasion. And the cost will be 15 euros. Uh, it'll be well scripted, well delivered. And you'll have to communicate via this community. So here's another big shout-out for Robbie and his partner Sabrina, initially from the Premier County, up tip, up tip, um, but now living in the land of the dubs, the blues. Congratulations on the birth of your first child's daughter, Molly. What do you think of that? Is there, there's money to be made in those kind of shout-outs. You get all sorts of people doing it now, 15 euro for a birthday shout-out. I do it for free on the air, never charge. I think from now on, everybody that wants a birthday request or an anniversary request or a marriage or anything like that, 15 euro, please, postal order in advance, and then when I receive the postal order, or maybe transfer to my Revolut account. <laughs> I'll do the request or the shout out then. But no matter what he does, of course, the newspapers will twist it in the mail of a headline saying Sophie murder suspect records TikTok greetings. What do you make of that? Text 0868104106. There's lots of other stuff in the papers. I'll come back to it throughout the morning. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show. Gold winner for interactive speech program at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Courts Red FM. Okay, lots and lots of texts from yesterday regarding the state of the A&D and it's very, very sad that so many people have so many stories to share and I will have calls on that and I promise to read out as many of the texts as I can but it started yesterday morning with the contact that I got um, over the weekend from Dan regarding his mother and I read it out and that opened the floodgates to other people who were very upset for her and very alarmed at the state of play and then were sharing their own stories with regards primarily to the, not limited to the A&D at the CUH, there's also some uh, stories coming out of the uh, Mercy A&D but Dan kicked the ball off and I was keen to update with them to see how things had been going since. Thankfully he joins me by phone. Dan, good morning. You hear me all right, Dan? Okay, Dan the man ain't there. He certainly isn't on two. So I'll let you get a, a line back there and we can come to it in a few minutes' time. Meanwhile, uh, if I just look at uh, the texts that were coming in uh, since yesterday, how true about the CUH? I was talking to someone over the weekend. He had an appointment on the 28th. He's no patience and was getting up earlier this week to tell them that he's in very bad pain to get in earlier. No wonder it's in the state it is. I was in the CUH A&E. There was a man on a trolley in his late 40s who wanted to just have a pee. He asked a nurse for help to unhook his drip. He was told he had a catheter fitted and to use that instead. He said he didn't want to. She said he did. Uh, she looked at his notes and confirmed uh, that he had a catheter. He lifted his blanket and showed her he didn't have one, although the notes said it did and they didn't believe him. So that's the kind of unfortunate chaos that goes on. And, you know, if you've got a, nurses dealing with loads of different patients, way more than they should be dealing with, it's no wonder they get confused like that. The biggest problem with a lot of hospital admissions is the ambulance service. Uh, when you ring for an ambulance, no matter what's wrong with you, you'll get an ambulance. Paramedics and advanced paramedics are just not allowed to treat, discharge uh, patients when they see them. This is down to the medical director and the ambulance services. Paramedics are trained in this, but they're not allowed to do it. A number of the calls come in from GPs who see patients and decide to send people into the hospital who don't need to be there. GPs have a lot to answer for. And one or two more. I was in the Mercy A&D Tuesday night. I witnessed a patient coming from a COVID isolation cubicle and used the toilet in A&E. 
multiple patients used it straight after him and it was never cleaned. Uh, they should have left the nuns kept running the hospitals. We had the cleanest and most efficient hospitals in the world when they were in charge. That may be the case, but certainly not half as many people using the hospitals. Um, and i got to wonder as to why. Are we getting sicker? Are we having more accidents? Dan, good morning. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Oh, great. Sorry. Um, That line must have dropped on me. Listen, thanks for taking the call because I wanted to catch up and see how your mam was, your 78-year-old mam. Just to recap, she slipped on Thursday, severely cut the back of her head, injured her rib cage, and on on Thursday afternoon, an ambulance was called and she arrived at the CUH Gulag, as you call it, at 5 p.m., wasn't it? Roughly, yeah, over the times, yeah. Okay. Then she sat in the chair till 10 a.m. on Friday and was discharged yeah. with just two paracetamol. Yeah, two paracetamol. Okay. Like this, yeah. No oh, x-ray, no, no scan. So when nothing. she went back home, of course, she was no better uh, and was in agony. So oh, on Saturday Friday, morning, yeah. you decided to take her to Mallow because she was in such agony she couldn't stand, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. So she waited five hours in Mallow then, only to be told there to go back to the CUH. Yeah. Okay. And Mallow have an x-ray machine and, you know, they had all the whatever they needed there as well. So they still didn't scan her or x-ray her in Mallow. And did they say why? No, not really. It was sort of a, a kind of a watery sort of a... Uh, look, they said because you were in CUH on the Thursday that you better go back up there altogether. But, like, I mean, w- w- continuity or something, I don't know. No like continuity. She had been discharged. She was no longer under the care of the CUH. She was discharged from the CUH. That's true, yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so you went back up again then, brought her back to the CUH yeah. A&D. Back to the CUH again, yeah. And... Um, she stayed there then until, I mean, it, it's about 30 hours, I think we were in total up there. Like, okay, you know. okay. Yeah. So back in the A&E and back in line again, sitting in a chair in agony um, mm-hmm. from two o'clock on Saturday. And you oh, texted me then, you got in touch with me 4 p.m. Sunday afternoon and still hadn't met anybody. Yeah. And yeah. you said that someone there told you that there was one doctor on duty in the entire A&E, all of Saturday evening and night? The nurse, one of the nurses told my sister, who was who was with my mother, sitting beside my mother constantly, I was in and out, and I was sitting outside in the car. But one of the nurses said it. She said, there's only one doctor on for the entire Saturday night here, um, and the place was jammed. I mean, there was young fellas there. You could see they were after, you know, maybe in scraps or something, fights, and, you know, they were cuss, and yeah. there was there was all that, you know, a lot of that kind of... So every kind of cubicle was full, and, I mean, to just to see it, like, I was... That was my first time seeing it when I went in to see my mother, like, you know, I couldn't believe it. Something like out of um, George Orwell's after of a 1984 thing. Everyone's like a, a cubicle just sitting there, like, staring into space. Nurses just ambling up and down past them. Uh, you know, you think it's chaos, but it's actually not. It's it's quiet, and it's sort of it's sort of like you're just suspended, like you know, it's just you're just there. Uh, it's it's surreal, to be honest. You know, was this and, the uh, was this was this the same nurse who said that the system isn't broken? There is no system. I cu- I couldn't say whether it is the same nurse, but they were dealing with a number of nurses throughout the night. You know. So those two statements were made. Yeah. Do you know? Okay. That's 100%. So, okay. okay. 
Yeah, but um, there is sure. I mean, it's obvious there's no system. There might be a system, but it doesn't work. You know, you can pile all the people you want into a place, but if you, if you haven't got the doctors there to check them out, what's the point of everything? And you know, it seemed like the, the, the nurses and and the, I'll be honest with you, they were like kids as well. A lot of them, they were like students. <laughs> it was like they were just trying to patch the whole thing together and just keep everyone sort of like keep keep everyone under wraps. Yeah. Until they got to, you know. Um, yeah. So we, so we know, we know of three different comments, perhaps from three different nurses, because the third one said, uh, one nurse said that she went home during the week after her shift, mm-hmm. returned twenty yeah. hours later for her next shift, and the yeah. same patients were, mate, were were waiting, with yeah. even more behind them. Yeah, that's a fact as well. Yeah, yeah, that was said as well. Yeah. So, like, you know, I mean, everyone knows what's going on, but the point is, what's anybody going to do about it? Like how much how much of this crap are we going to take? You okay. Let me just pick up on one point you made there. You said a lot. Some of them in there, or a lot of them in there. What proportion of them in there were young people engaged in fights? There was a good few, like lads I saw, you know, in their sort of in their tracksuits, covered in blood, walking around the place. So if they weren't there, if they were behaving themselves, copping themselves on, not fighting, not scrapping, not acting the maggot, not carrying mm-hmm. weapons and knives and baiting the heads off each other because whatever they're on, the A&D would be a quieter place for those who really need it because fighting and scrapping and acting the maggot is not an accident. It's intentional. This is it, yeah. Yeah, that's true, yeah. I mean, I couldn't say why they were there, but I mean, you know, it just looked like that to me. Yeah, well, well walk like a duck, you know. talk like a duck. What happened with your mother subsequent to all of this? Well, what happened was um, that was Sunday, I think around four o'clock I sent you the the text or the, the thing, you know. So I think it was around half four we got out of it. Maybe five o'clock, but it actually we got out around half four, five o'clock, right? We got back to Mallow. Actually, we got back to Mallow for about quarter to five and we went to get the prescription and none of the pharmacies in Mallow had the morphine that she was prescribed. They just didn't have it in stock. It's it's highly controlled and it's it's not in every pharmacy, you know. One pharmacist says he was shocked that it was a control drug and couldn't be filled that quickly, is it? No, what happened then was, so we had to wait until Monday morning to get it. And we had to, you know, the other pharmacies were open then in Mallow. So my sister went to one and um, the guy that owns the pharmacy was actually there, he's in charge of it, and he looked at me and said, we can't fill that out, it's not, that prescription isn't written out properly. It's not written out properly? It's not written out properly. He said there's a protocol there for um, for the likes of morphine because it's such a it's a controlled substance and there's a certain way it has to be written out. He said this is basic doctor stuff. They should know this is something they should just kind of their eyes should start to go. Okay, I need to do this really properly. <laughs> you know, he said it's a disgrace. He said this is what this is rubbish. So the doctor in the A and E, you're saying, according to the pharmacist, filled out the prescription wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, that's just a so calamity, isn't pres- it? It's a disaster. It is a disgrace, yeah. We had to bring this prescription out to the primary health care centre, bring it up to our own doctor. He looked at it, verified it, whatever. I don't know, the ring CUH, I don't know what he did. Uh, he then wrote it out properly and forwarded it back to that same pharmacist in Mallow. And then... My sister actually, it was my sister did it. She went in then and picked it up. When? 
Uh, I suppose she got it, I don't know, 11 or 12 o'clock, maybe midday. Yesterday. On the Monday, yeah. So, yeah. so your mother's pain management wasn't dealt with from Thursday all the way to Monday? Yeah. Never mind the pain management, right? She wasn't even checked properly. Because on the Thursday stroke Friday night, with all the waiting and when the doctor eventually looked at her, um, she wasn't examined properly. Because she was told, look, take two paracetamol, you prob- probably have bruised ribs. Um, so we put a bit, they glued up this uh, cut on her head and sent her away. But when she went to Mallow Hospital, the doctor eventually, when she got to see a doctor there, he was concerned that there might be internal bleeding. So then he called the second doctor for another opinion. The doctor said, yeah, it's 50-50. You, you, you need to go straight to the CUH. Internal she bleeding said, to the head or to... No, to her, to her stomach. Stomach and rib cage, yeah. Yeah. So in, in fairness to them, maybe I'll give them that, you know. So he said, look, you better go up to the CUH. But look, they could have done, I think they could have scanned her there, maybe. I in don't the Mallow Hospital, yeah. 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 But and what, was she ultimately scanned in the CUH? No, she had an x-ray. An x-ray, which, okay. which I don't think shows whether you've broken ribs or not. on an x-ray. As far as I know, I don't think they can see. So she could but technically have broken ribs. Um, they, they have to heal naturally, I think, don't they? There's, you know, I think you, you can... Oh, yeah, but they confirmed she has broken ribs, finally, in the CUH. God, she must have been in shock and pain all that long. So she went through one, two, three, four. The fourth doctor, when she went back the second time, said... Actually, yes, you have cracked ribs, which are very sore for a person, though, especially that age. Any age, but that age for sure, brittle or bones. And tell me, what has your 78-year-old mother said about all of this? You know, I think she's just relieved to be at home and to be out of the place because the shock of the injury was one thing. But I think that the whole trauma and the whole experience of the weekend has put years on her. I mean, I couldn't get over it when I saw her face. Like the the distress and the and the, and the worry. Mm. That and that was what she was up in CUH waiting. Mm. Mm. Will someone see me? Anytime anyone would walk over towards her, her eyes would light up as if oh, brilliant! Someone's going to see me here. She's going to give me some good news that they're going to see me. And after twenty two or twenty three hours, to be told, or does someone come over and say, "Listen, actually, what she came over to say was." Um, this was around half past nine on the Sunday morning. Uh, this nurse or whatever she was came over and said, um, I have to get that chair off you. And she said, sorry, I want that chair. And my mother, it was a wheelchair, kind of a higher up sitting wheelchair. My sister was using it to get her over and back to the bathroom or whatever because she couldn't walk really. I want the chair. We need it up in the ward. But she didn't know, I think, that my sister was in the cubicle beside her. So my sister turned around and came in and said, excuse me, that's my mother there, what, what, what's wrong? Oh, we want the chair. Uh, we need a wheelchair. She, she, she can sit in an ordinary chair. This nurse hadn't even seen her, knew nothing about her. So they had a bit of, you know, like, staying in that chair like she needed. It. Like, this was a role. Did they the take the wheelchair? No, because she just... She just left in, like, you know. The sister like, stood her ground, just, yeah, yeah. It was just a manner, you know, the way. It, no, there was no, oh, hi, ho, listen, do you mind if we do this or whatever? It sounded I quite abrupt to, to me, actually. 
Oh, that's exactly how I would say it. Exactly how I would say Not very respectful to your elders. No, no, but like, look, as I said, there was young gojas in there, there was all types of people, right, and there's a triage system there. That's fine. But they should allow for elderly people. It was, you know, like, give them, like, put them to one side and say, look, anyone that's old like that and and, and frail and after getting a bad, a bad turn, Let's look after them first. The I know, I get it. And, and you, you know, know something, it must also be very frustrating for them to see ambulances bring in, as you say, gougers who've been fighting each other uh, with all sorts of injuries because of their fights into the A&E, screwing it all up. Look, that's, that's the way it is. It always has been. Do you know what I mean? It's, that's never going to change. You know, it drives a mad yeah, but I mean, I, if I really want to, to have a good whinge about it, like, I could I could bring in the Ukrainian ele- element, which is not a racist stuff of a thing, no at all. But I'm just saying that there was Ukrainians in there, in line as well, right? And those misfortunes have to be looked after too. I understand all that. But, but like, how do you know their nationality, incidentally? Because he was standing beside me. He was sitting beside us, and he had no English, and he was a young man. Like uh, he was able to walk around, and the only reason I knew is because. He got up around nine o'clock and on the Sunday morning and he asked the nurse, he was trying to, you know, gesture with his hands for food. He was really hungry. So he took up about three nurses who were standing around and trying to work out what the hell he was saying and what was wrong with him. So I left then, I went over to Wilton, came back about an hour later and I said to my mother, where's your man gone? Uh, Oh, he's, he was seen, he's gone. So they discharged him. He was, he was after being put through the system. Mm. Like he's here a wet week. My mother's here 78 years. Walked mm. out of life. Yeah. It's disappointing it's when being, she sees you know, that. But it, it's just another... It, they're just piling more people in on top of it, of it now. And they still haven't put in the resources to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. But when it, where is it going to stop? <laughs> no. Well, it's not, it's not going to stop if Stephen Donnelly goes out there and they apparently clear out the A&E and they sort everything out for his visit. All he's, as the fellow said to me yesterday, all politicians ever smell. They think the whole world smells of fresh paint and disinfectant. That's like something going back to, to the 50s, you know, when the, when the bishop would visit, like, the hospital or whatever. And to be, you know, it's, it's like, do they think... Well, you had more hospitals in Cork in the 50s. Now, you might not have had the same amount of population, but you had the North Infirmary, you had the South Infirmary mm-hmm. A&E. You also yeah. had, um, well, there was more, there was the, the regional hospital and places like that. Yeah. Uh, you had um, the Mercy. You had Erinville was doing its own thing. The Eye, Ear and Throat was a specialist hospital doing its own thing. Um, the Orthopaedic was another one doing its own thing. There were loads of them. But how is it that when the country was a basket case back that time, back in the sixties, seventies, like you know, with death and with you know whatever unemployment, that we could still keep hospitals going around the place like that, and people worked in those hospitals, and if the doctor said to you, "Look, I need to send you up to the hospital," to the relief, not a threat. Yeah, not a panic. No, it's like, yeah. 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 No. No. You get a panic attack if you're told you're going up to the hospital. Like, yeah. That's true. That's very well put. And people listening to this who haven't experienced it would be very worried about worried about ever experiencing it or having to bring a sick child. Not 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 as you know. I mean, it's bad enough for themselves, but say a sick child or an elderly parent. Yeah, I know what you're saying. That's it. And there yeah. was people up there with children, like, and I saw like there was kids in real distress. Now, now, 
it's absolutely nothing to do with the staff. They are only human trying to do a job. That is fine. It, it's just the system. Like It's just the way that they're they are actually being thrown at this and going, look, sort that out. And, and next weekend will be the same. And the following weekend. I don't know how they put up with it. Well, certainly with one doctor in an A&E all day Saturday and Saturday night. Uh, I'm assuming it's the same doctor as well. God almighty, is there any wonder that there's potential to make serious mistakes? But and anyway, how, why yeah. are they all bailing out when they're qualified? Well, you can see why. And again, we yeah. heard this morning that more and more are just quitting because they're being attacked verbally, physically and sexually assaulted. Listen, Dan, thanks for the update. I do appreciate right. it. And uh, best wishes to you and to your mam in particular. All right. All right. Thanks very much. Take care. Take care. Take care. Uh, I'll come back to text and emails in a few minutes' time. Let me stay with phone calls. Denise, good morning. Oh, good morning. How are you? I'm today? good. You were in the A&D. Uh, when was this? Recently? No, it was just as COVID was happening. Okay. And um, my mum was in there and she was, she was having a stroke. So I was there. And um, there was a, a guy in a trolley opposite not very old. Oh, this is the catheter yeah. story that I referred to a few yeah. minutes ago. Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and the guy, he, he needed to go to the loo and he was tied up on, you know, um, the IVs and stuff and he asked for help and he said that he was told he had a catheter and to use it. And he said, I don't have a catheter and she said, you do. And she looked at his notes and said, yeah, you have a catheter, use it. And he lifted his blanket and said, look, I don't have a catheter. It's crazy. To pee into a bag, if you like. Yeah. 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 But his notes said they did. So there was some sort of chaos that resulted in him, you know, having somebody else's notes. Exactly. Or something like that. I don't know. But he was being told to pee in in the catheter and he had no catheter. And they wouldn't believe him until he showed him. I can kind of understand why they wouldn't believe him if they look at the notes and it says that he does, you know, but that's the kind of confusion that will result in a place that's over yeah. busy and understaffed, right? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Okay, appreciate that. I'm a nurse without hope. I work in Dublin. I've never ever dreamed of asking for help, but right now I'm sitting in my kitchen contemplating taking my own life. I just can't go on. I stupidly, stupidly became a nurse. This came in this morning was happily married until he ran off, leaving me with nothing but debt and the two most beautiful, adorable children who are left with a failure of a mother. I can't cope with the mounting bills. On the one hand, they gave us double children's allowance and the next day they took it back again. I got a bill for the property tax. I thought I had a chance of paying some bills with the double allowance, but that was only a dream. I'm drowning. Honestly, I can't continue drowning in debt. I'm just not living. My children don't deserve a mother like me who works so hard to help others but comes home crying because I cannot afford to live or even feed the kids. Once upon a time, I'd rob bananas and apples from work. Now, they're all gone. They've taken them away. I'm not even worth a bloody banana to live on. Basically, I have nothing. I'm working for nothing. My children are reliant on me. A complete failure. And all because I became a nurse. Like the other poster, I can't emigrate. They're replacing us with nurses from abroad who will never look for a pay rise. I'm not racist, but these nurses are not of the same standard as us. Full stop, they're just not. They're more interested in paperwork than the people they're supposed to be caring for. Ask any nurse who left, who's left in Ireland if this is true and they will tell you. Uh, please don't cover this up. It's important. I know the end... I know the end for me is near. 
I've tried so hard, I've worked so hard, and I've nothing left to give. My babies deserve better. This country deserves so much better. Our patients deserve so, so, so much better. And this effing government solution is to replace us with nurses from abroad instead of addressing the problem. Please don't get me wrong. Some of the best nurses are from abroad and some are great friends of mine. But the latest crew they're recruiting, well, they leave, let me say mildly, a lot to be desired. Thank you for listening to me. No one else seems to care. And that's not me normally. I needed to tell you this before. Well, before whatever happens next. Now, that is quite alarming. It really and truly is because that is somebody who was actually contemplating, as we speak, taking her own life. Um, and I don't know. I hope to God that she is listening because you don't want to do that. No matter how bad things are right now, you don't want to live, leave what you describe as the two most beautiful, adorable children. Um, you are not a failure of a mother. The country is a failure. Those that run the country are failures. The health system is a failure. The housing system is a failure. The things that really matter most, indeed, the things that you are paying tax for um, and not getting. In actual fact, taxation in Ireland gives you pretty much nothing, apart from maybe street lighting. Uh, But apart from that, everything else you have to pay for. So you're not alone in that. There are many people like you. But could you imagine the consequence for your two most beautiful, adorable children if you did leave them behind without you? It would devastate their lives and they would probably never recover from it because they love you just as much as you love them. So you have to try and find a way to continue to struggle on. You really must. You don't want to end your life because there will be better days ahead, hopefully. But you certainly don't want to leave your two adorable children behind without you because they love you as much as you love them. Um, There must be somebody that you can reach out to. There must be a friend or a relative Um, who you can sit down and talk to. There must be organizations that can intervene on your behalf to help you with day-to-day bills. Uh, Were you in Cork? Um, Don't know whether you're originally from Cork or not, but were you in Cork? There would be organizations that would step in. You know, you have the likes of St. Vincent de Paul. You have the likes of in Cork, Cork Penny Dinners. You have MABs that look after budgeting for people. Uh, And indeed, there are others even in Cork that would like to maybe even help to pay some of those mounting bills for you. Uh, So please um, do come back to me and, you know, please don't take that next step. You may well be, as you're saying, not living. But could you imagine your children being left without you? Um, It's heartbreaking, really, when you get a a text or an email like that. It's an email because when you read it, then you wonder how in the name of God are politicians or even Micheál Martin over at COP27 lauding it up and speechifying and chatting with other world leaders. Uh, It's like as if he's got a great big dirty secret back home. Well, he does have a great big dirty secret back home. And it's that nurse without hope. Text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. More calls after 10 for sure uh, from yesterday morning's program. Having a cup of tea right now with an elderly person listening to your show. All you're doing is frightening the life out of her if something was to happen to her. Would you prefer that we bury our heads in the sand and not prepare people for the potential of what could happen? I think forewarned is forearmed, I would believe. My 70-year-old mother was sitting on a chair for 27 hours on Friday night with chest pains after a procedure she got two weeks ago in the same hospital. No doctors, and the nurses were tutting and rolling their eyes at patients. She's crippled as it is with arthritis and sciatica and was only offered... Uh, paracetamol. She was hours trying to get pain relief. She could not have anyone with her either. 
why not let us in to wait with them and show compassion because there's no compassion being given to the vulnerable patients. They need help. People are saying the nurses and doctors want us to speak up, but they have a responsibility to the patient. They should be telling people, I can't treat you safely. Uh, didn't they take an oath? Our taxes have been given away to everyone who pays no tax, Irish and foreigners. Uh, this is going to continue unless the healthcare staff speak up. Well, they are speaking up. I've been in the A&D numerous times over falls and seizures, resulting with serious injuries every time. On one occasion, I was waiting for hours to be assessed, which meant the ambulance crew also had to wait with me. I was seen by the eye clinic as I damaged my eye from one fall. But I was still waiting the following night to see a neurologist about the head injuries. There was no sign of anyone, so I ended up signing myself out. Just to let people know, the whole time I was there, there was no nurses running around off their feet, but chatting at their desk. And yes, I was on a trolley along with a lot of elderly people as well. So, I suppose my point is, I'm sorry. Not all nurses are exhausted and overworked, so don't class them all of the same. I would have more pity for the ambulance workers whose time gets wasted. My father fell, cut his head, taken by ambulance to the CUH. Uh, Due to COVID restrictions, I wasn't allowed to visit despite calling on my solicitor for advice. Hospital policy said we simply had to be left outside. Uh, I received the first call from the hospital um, on the 28th, which was uh, 14 days later. They said my father was being discharged and would need to put things in place at home. A raised toilet seat and handrails. I wasn't sure why you needed these items as my 77-year-old father is a retired farmer and strong, healthy and independent. The following morning, I received a call telling me my father passed away during the night. The lady asked if I could come to COH and collect his belongings. I asked which reception would I collect them from, only to be told they were in his room and I could get them there. I was asked, how am I allowed into his room now? And I wasn't when he was alive. She said, I don't make the rules. An hour later, I arrived at his bed, at his four-bedroom with three other gentlemen in it. There was a curtain around the fourth bed, which I presumed had been my father. Uh, I pulled back the curtain to get his belongings, only to find him still there, dead in the bed, a vision I will never forget. I couldn't believe what I saw. He was a shadow of the man he was when he went in. I broke down. Eventually, a staff member called for a priest to say a few prayers and they sent me on my way. It was devastating. It will always devastate me, says John. By text to 0868-104-106. Back after 10. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Now, Lana mentioned a, a crash out west along. There's also a bad accident going up Cars Hill um, towards uh, Douglas. A two-car collision on the climbing lane Traffic backed up all the way down to the roundabout and presumably back towards Cargilline and Riskiddy as cars are trying to make their way around the accident. Apparently it's backed up in other directions too because those coming from Douglas are also rubbernecking. So Cars Hill, it's a deadly stretch of road and another accident there this morning. Uh, text 0868104106 and lots of them. The problem out there is that people still believe that going to a hospital by ambulance will get you seen faster. That's why they tried to go in uh, with an ambulance. But that is not the case. The sickest are always seen first, no matter what way you go into A&D. You'll be triaged and you will wait, sometimes with the ambulance crew for hours, and then be triaged again. Chances are, if it's minor, 
you'll be put on a wait into a waiting room to start the process all over again. So going by ambulance just means that you're taking it away from a patient who needs it for, say, a child being knocked down or someone in cardiac arrest. Uh, so keep those coming. Text 0868104106. It's true the A&D at CUH have restrictions. A family member went in recently with a suspected heart attack and wasn't allowed to have anyone accompany him in the ambulance. He then went to the A&D a couple of hours later with a bag and some food because the family member was hungry inside. They had a member of staff standing at the door allowing no one in. They took the bag and the person's name and their food but didn't get it to the person until many hours later. No one was allowed in the door of CUH. I had a couple in front of me going in with a baby less than six months old, I'd say, and they would only allow one of the two parents in the door. So handing food into the A&E to hungry patients and then hours before they receive it. Uh, it's just getting worse and worse. My mother had to go to a 365 doctor in Cork uh, and a letter was emailed to the Matter Hospital A&E. Uh, we then drove down there. We were told they were closed on weekends. Uh, what A&E hospital closes at weekends, especially on a long weekend? We ended up going to the CUH. My 77-year-old mom sat on a chair in the A&D for 18 hours and was moved to another relaxer chair and then to a ward. Uh, the health system is embarrassing. We, pray, we pay private health insurance over two grand per person per year. But babies, older people and young people are all in there together. There's coughing, sneezing, vomiting, no nurses or doctors telling people to sanitize and some wards are unable to use the shower facilities only wash down with a sponge and a dish of water or even just use wipes. Horrific listening to the experiences. It's outrageous this is still going on. There's been years and years and years of chaos in A&E. And no, it's not because of COVID backlogs. Please don't use that as an excuse. Imagine being so scared to go to hospital in case you die in their so-called care. All the money spent in this country over the years, nothing has changed. I've seen people bleeding and blood dripping on chairs, never cleaned. Others sit down in the same chair, eating a sandwich, not knowing blood is in the arms of the chair. It is nothing short of vile. Now our government is far too busy taking care of imports. There's plenty of money available for the imports, which is rather an unkind and cruel term to use. But there it is, nonetheless. Killarney's on its knees because of trouble caused up there because of imports. Call me racist if you want, I couldn't care less. Water off a duck's back at this stage. Money needs to go into our health system first and foremost. Nurses need to be looked after because they have lost faith and are drained. It's outrageous and disgusting in Ireland, says Angela from Carrigaline. And one final one, the government of the HSE just don't care about people. Look at how much money has been paid out over the last 30 years because of the mess-ups. Um, yes, indeed. More than ever have we seen people before the courts because of what happened to them or their loved ones at the hands of the HSE. Uh, Texter says, if someone dies in A&E, no one's held responsible. Our health system is a joke because they want to privatise it. Ultimately, that's the reason behind why it's so bad that te- Texter believes to take it out of public hands and privatise everything. And there are many more, and unfortunately there are one as bad as the next, so I will come back to them. But regular contributor to this programme, always lovely chatting and catching up with her, is Phil, and she joins me by phone, um, but is none too good, I'm told. Phil, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are I, you? I'm good. Are you struggling? I Yes, very much. Okay, okay. Did you get COVID back in the day? 
you see, I believe I had it. Yeah. I could tell you the exact date, 19th of December, 2019. Right. I went to bed, I was fine, and when I got out of bed the following morning, I just collapsed on the floor. Right. And I wasn't able to get out of bed for four months after that. Sick, violent headaches, violent headaches. And I'm the guy, I just don't go to hospitals or, you know, I don't do that. I just said, look, it's always somebody worse off than me. Now, I went to a doctor. I was told it was impossible. It wasn't even known about then. Now, Michal Marta came out in February and said that whatever day she came out and said this virus that was going around the world. And uh, now, millions of people were dying. Millions of people were sick. Millions of people had died within a couple of days. So it's hard to believe that anyone with common sense would think they only just heard about it then. I know, I know, I know. Now, well, I firmly believe I had it. And you think that you, you're one of the tens of thousands of people who continue to suffer, say, for instance, with oh, long COVID? It's a, I'm telling you, it's a living hell, Neil. It's a living hell. I can't get up. I can't function. The headaches. I'm vomiting every single day. I'm only a shadow now at this stage. I'd say I'm about six stone now at this stage. And when I went back to the a doctor after um, the four months, I'd been very sick to say, could I get a tonic or something because I had no energy. And I said, I still believe I had it. And she said, what else did even know what about in Ireland then? Well, to me, that's rubbish as well. Mm-hmm. But it is. If there's anyone out there who has this, would they ever, is there anything at all that you could take that would give you just one bit of life and stop the sickness and the awful, awful headaches and, you know, the tiredness. I can't actually, I go from the sofa to the toilet and that's all I can do. I and that's going on over three and a half years. Oh my God. So, and as I said, I was in hospital and they did a lot of tests. I know I have a few problems. I have an aneurysm on my brain and I have stomach problems. But nobody once asked me, did I ever have COVID? Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. know, and what well, it's only my word to say, that I must have had it. Were you vaccinated and everything? You went through all the different series of vaccines? Well, it was after that. The vaccine came in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you were sick before the vaccines. It wasn't as a result of the vaccine. Oh, or oh I was. Yeah. I got the vaccines. I got the boosters. I got everything that was going. And I still literally can't function. No energy, I mean, headaches. Anything else? Are you having any issues trying to concentrate or sleep or dizziness? Or oh, sleep is out of the question. I, at that time, I might take a sleep tablet, but two and a half hours is the maximum I get. Two and a half hours. And the rest of the day, then, is a living hell. And has a GP not referred you into hospital for tests or anything? No. Wonder why? I mean, is, is your own GP because aware that you've been? They don't. They don't believe that I had, and they don't. They said it was in Ireland, and you know. But okay, let's say they don't it. believe that. There's clearly something gone wrong for the last oh, two and a half, three years of your life, health-wise. Three and a half. What, three and a half. So why wouldn't they want to investigate whatever it is? 
Yeah, well, I was taken by ambulance there some weeks ago now. My grandson had phoned me that morning and he, he couldn't make sense of what I was saying and he phoned an ambulance straight away. And they came out and my sugar was so low, I was actually got into a coma. And um, I was in hospital for two weeks. So, yes, I had loads of tests. And what did they say, the test results? What did they say? Um, they didn't say. I mean, there's no point going to a doctor again because I don't get the same answer. So when you were in there for two no. weeks, did all these tests, did anybody have a chat with you as to what was wrong or what was going on with your body? Or give you oh, any... Yeah, all the different... Yeah, I had so, so many different doctors for all different situations. But did, I, did they manage any of them to identify what happened? No. To lead you to be... I, I believe now... When did you eat last? Oh, God, it's a couple of weeks. Uh, no, I tried. I mean, I tried. I you tried to have soup one day last week and sure... I'm straight out in the bathroom getting sick again. I just can't keep any food down. I just can't eat. I'd probably dehydrated over this stage because I tried to drink Lucas Head, but it just comes back up. So I never got an answer. So you, you haven't had well, any they, solid food that you've managed to keep down at all in weeks? One weeks, but prior to prior to this, I mean, I could go six six weeks without food. I don't think of it. I don't want to see it. And still, a doctor tells me, I'm sure I'm still the same weight, even though I know I've lost three stone. I'm now just over six stone. And Do you have any appetite? You know, no. None whatsoever. And that's what I'm saying. Is there anybody out there that could tell me something that, you know, might help me. I had vitamins, but you're, yes, I take them, but you're, they come back up as well. Yeah. So I can't keep anything down. Yeah, glass of milk, soup, and nobody, anything. Nobody has an answer. But you would be a critical priority case to me, certainly from when, s- starting with your, your own GP. I mean, does it, do, you, no. do you have a doctor that knows that you can't keep food down, you haven't eaten in three weeks? Yes. And do they not think that that's an emergency that that is critical? You're wasting away. They had done everything for me. There was nothing wrong with me. And that's when I insisted then that I was happy with my headaches. I said I wanted an MRI and I wanted an endoscopy. And that's when the aneurysm shut up my brain. Even though the doctor told me there was nothing wrong with me. Yeah, could the I'm aneurysm be? Could the aneurysm be the problem with regards to the headaches and not being able to keep food down and things? No, no. He told me that. that but was sure, you can't. You it. can't. This can't continue. You're losing r- weight rapidly. You're dehydrated. You're not eating food for fuel. Like you're. This oh no! Is, this is critical. I mean, I can't believe I'm alive. And that's the truth. There's nobody could live like this. Or, you know, that would suffer like and still be alive. You don't have... I do you not... I mean, you, you do mind me giving out your age, do you, Phil? No, I don't, of course. How old are you? 70, well, I'll be 77 now, uh, Christmas week. Okay, but you were, you were always out and about, like, weren't you? You had a, you know... All my life, 
I never, ever, ever stopped. I couldn't sit down. I know. I, I go, I'm sleeping out on the sofa in the dining room for over three years. Is that because you don't have the energy to climb the stairs, is it? No, I can't. No. I just make it to the bathroom and that's all I can do. And that's good, I know, over three and a half years. I've got a nod day or two that I was, God, I thought I was turning the corner, I felt okay. And then the next day, I'm back to square one. So I could count the number of days I've been outside the door now in that time. And that's only to just to go down to the local shop. And that must be an effort. That must be an awful effort. I haven't been able to do it for months and months. No, I can't even go to the shop. And why aren't you allowing people to visit into the house? Because my house has got into such a state now. It's a disgrace. And I won't allow anyone to see it. I'm ashamed of it. You'd usually be on top of it, keeping it tidy and keeping it in order. Oh, but God bless us. I always had my home lovely and clean. I know you did. But, I know you did. But um, I, didn't, I physically, Neil, it's hard to explain. I physically cannot do it. I cannot do anything. My body is just gone. Do you know? Well, it just it won't work for me. And for somebody that was always, 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 because I used to be known as Hurricane Hannah, I never sat down. I never, even having a meal, I always, I was looking after somebody else. But okay. now, no, I just okay. can't believe my life is like this. Can I, I mean, I, I don't mean to pry or anything, but people listening to this people will be wondering about family intervention or family help. No. No, I have a, I have a, a grandson, yes, and I have my best friend for over 70 years, and but there's nothing anyone can do, you know? But, yeah. I mean, she would go to the ends of the earth for me. She would take me to the apartments. I mean, she actually has phoned a doctor to say there's something wrong with Phil. I mean, is there anything you could do for her? And I'm still waiting. That's a good bit of But But two weeks in hospital hasn't made a blind bit of difference. It's like as if you've just been forgotten about No. No, well, I was on drips, I suppose, you know. Well, you would be because of dehydration, yeah, and to get get some nutrients into you because you weren't able to eat. So, but that doesn't solve the situation. The problem still exists. No, I was on two drips every day for two weeks. Have you any, why don't don't you have home help? You didn't need it until now, I suppose. well, no, but even, that's, you know, I, I wouldn't allow anybody inside the door needs the stairs for my house now. And, it, it, you know, right, they could die to the kitchen, but at the end of the day, I'm still lying on my sofa 24 hours a day. Just lying there? All alone? Or just lying there, yes. Now, well, you need to let somebody in. Don't worry about a bit of untidiness, sir. You know, and that, oh, uh, no, it's not a diet. Ah, yeah, but don't, you might think it that way, but many people wouldn't. They it might is. think you'd, people would have a good world around that and they'd sort it out in no time. You know, a few plates here and there, a bit of clothes, or maybe uh, empty a couple of bins. Come on. Don't be worried about that. I know, that. but, well, but even still, I mean, there's nothing they could do for me at the end of the day. 
I'm still going to be on the sofa 24 hours a day. I mean, I, I don't and want to I'm know who your GP me. is, but I, I hold the GP very much front and centre in solving this. Like, the GP needs to be fighting. Your oh, doctor do. needs to be fighting. I've known, on that for, I've known that for a long time, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, if you called an ambulance and you said, um, I've been housebound for three and a half years, uh, I haven't eaten food in three weeks, I can't keep down even a glass of milk. I've lost three stone in weight. No. I'm, pa- I'm no. dying from ma- ma- malnutrition. I am. The, amb- the ambulance will come... Malnutrition. But the ambulance will come and pick you up. But they did. But when I came out of hospital after two weeks, I still didn't get any answers. But you need to call them again. I can't. I mean, look, I'm listening there to the programme all the morning and those poor people. Jeez the experiences they had. Now, I did my ambulance, so I was on a trolley. But, I mean, it was six hours before anyone came to me. And there was three paramedics there. And they couldn't leave until I was admitted. I know, I know and that. look at the waste of those I know, six hours I know, but right, but right now, I know that, but right now... That is not your concern. You're, you're, okay, thank you for thinking about the paramedics. Thank you for thinking about everybody else in the A&D. Um, you, you have tried everything and nothing is working. Um, you haven't eaten in weeks. No. You're, you're, you, you no. can, can you eat fruit? No? No. Okay. I bought fruit, grapes, everything. And they're all just fit for the bin now. I just try, but I, I, they just won't go down. Okay, okay. And I just, I think, well... This is my thinking that the only answer I can find is long-term COVID. And if any, there is plenty of thousands of people suffering from it, I'm sure. But have they any advice or is there anything that they take that helps them? Because I would take poison now. If, if I got one day that I could actually get up and put on the kettle and just do something, and I, I'm physically not able Right. Have we got have we got a long COVID clinic in Ireland? Didn't I hear that there was know. one or there would be one where people because there are tens of thousands. I was reading this morning um, that we have right. at least twenty two thousand people with long term COVID from the virus, unable to work or to function. They even broke it down county by county. Um, I imagine that if you had a anyway, I think if you had a test, it would tell you whether you ever had COVID or not. Well, be. I asked them when I went for the injections when the, the vaccine came in, uh, 2020, and I asked, it, would it be possible to test to see if I did have it? And they said, there's no way of doing that test. No, I know. That was three years ago. Surely there's a that test to tell you whether or not you had COVID before. It's got to be. Well, I was told they couldn't. There was no test is for there that. No, is there no long, I'm just asking this question, is there no long COVID staff clinically specialising in the treatment of, pe- of people with the complex conditions that I'm reading from the examiner here that they said that 20 staff have been recruited across 10 hospitals um, to work in long COVID, COVID clinics according to the HSE so there must be some kind of a CUH post-acute COVID clinic it's got to be well, I don't know Neil, unless the they've made a complete balls of that as well term. Long term COVID was at one of your programs there some weeks ago, and it just was like a flash. I said, Geez, maybe that's what I have. But I hadn't heard about it before. 
I'm just assuming that's, that's because. I don't oh, know. I think they're only in the. I think they're only in the process of being formally developed. Apparently, I think there either will right. be or should be one, perhaps in the mercy. Um, Phil, like whether you have COVID, long-term COVID or not, right? You're sick, and you are in need of intervention and help, and that includes food and water because you are just going to waste away. And I don't want to be on this radio program in a few weeks' time or in a couple of months' time saying that. You, who are a wonderful woman and a great contributor to this program and a great storyteller, wonderful Cork woman, raised your family single-handed, went out to work day and night, cleaned other people's houses just to keep bread on the table. Yes, I, I did. don't want to hear that you've I passed did. away. I do not want to hear that. So, I do, but to see when I found out I had an aneurysm on my brain, that's what my daughter died from. I know, I know, I know. So, so you know, uh, and then uh, I, know. I was told it wasn't urgent. But even if it wasn't a hospital setting, going into uh, a bit, going into respite for a couple of weeks where they would look after you and you'd get treatment and you get your needs met, that would be a good idea too, you know. I know, but unfortunately, I don't do money anymore. I have needs. No money. That I could afford that. No. Yeah. yeah. I did one time. I didn't know what it was like not to have money. Have your money, like if you were well, would you have money to feed yourself and put on the heating? Just the pension? Oh, I would. Yeah. But not the amount oh, of money that would be involved. Well. For respite, no. For some kind of care, no. I, I don't do that anymore. Okay. Okay. But would you, would you, would you pick up the phone for me and call an ambulance? Oh, no, I won't. Please, no. please. Why not? No, I, I just couldn't. I'd be too ashamed. But Phil, you need to look after yourself. There's no shame in calling an ambulance. I know, and I have two dogs as well. And when I was in hospital, I got somebody to live in for the two weeks to look after the dogs. And I don't want anybody from the Polish animals now falling up and saying, and they neglected they're the best, well-looked-after dogs. They live in the house. I'm with them 24 hours a day. They're well-fed, they're groomed. Everything goes on the dogs. So that's but should they're all, all you see no. now. You have no human contact apart from the dogs now. Oh, God, no. no. Ah, yeah, but no. like, don't you see no. that it has to change? I don't know. I just wondered if there was somebody out there. Hold, hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second then. I'll come back after the break. Got Una standing by. Back after these. Hold on. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 106 Red FM. Hold on there, Phil. Susan, good morning. Okay. Hello, Neil. Okay, thank you for calling. Um, can you help with some info on this for me? I can. Um, there's a clinic down in the Mercy Hospital. It's run by um, Dr. Arthur Jackson. Saw that yeah, this morning. I just Googled it. I didn't know whether it was open or not yet. Is it open? It is open. There was a bit of a break during the summer there, and they're back now, but you're put on a waiting list. Now, I'm not sure if you go private, you can get seen straight away, but there is a lot of people suffering with long COVID. Were you one of them? Were you on the list? Were you seen? I wasn't seen yet. I applied back in August because I got COVID in August and my symptoms carried on for months and months. Okay. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't talk, I couldn't drive, I couldn't do anything. My whole neurological system broke down. Right. How was your appetite, so, incidentally? Um, I couldn't sleep. It was fine. 
I think it was fine. Um, my memory was kind of okay. shut down as well, so Headaches? I can't really remember anything. Yeah, that's brain no, fog. No, no, yeah. no. Brain okay. fog, yeah. All right. So total lack of energy. Yeah, completely wiped out. All your vitamin thing okay. is all wiped out. But you continue so to eat, I, did you? I continue to eat. Right. Phil's not eating. But I had to uptake all my vitamins. Right. And like, the lady there says she can't take the tablet form or anything like that. You can get sashes in the chemist. They're called Revive. I've been taking them for the last yeah, three months she, and she, they she, do help. That, everything comes up. I mean, water comes up, milk comes up, soup comes up. Everything oh comes. God. But she needs to see a gastroenterologist, really, like somebody looking into her, looking into the insides and look at her organs and, and fill stomach and stuff. But tell me this, were you given any advice as to how to deal with the problems of long COVID? No, like I felt like I was on my own. You feel very lonely. On your, you think that you're on your own. But there is help out there. Like there's a Facebook page for long COVID sufferers as well. Like your doctor kind of can't do so much with it, you know? So but if you can say for it, you, do you know, I can get on to the COVID clinic and see if I can talk to this doctor or professor. And do, when, when people go into the cl- clinic, what, what happens? I mean, what treatment do they get? I'm not sure, Neil. I'm still waiting. I'm yeah. still waiting on an, an appointment. Well, it's so like, well I have been waiting people. months and months and months. There you go. There is a long, yeah, there's a yeah. long list. Yeah, yeah. Small clinic, understaffed, and a long list. That doesn't. Uh, yeah, that's that it. doesn't surprise yeah. me. Doesn't surprise me. All right, thanks, Susan. Um, even if okay. even if she were to go and do what you're suggesting, it would still take months. Whereas this is a lot more immediate and urgent. I wonder how much the elderly advocate Paddy O'Brien had to hear of my conversation this morning. Paddy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. That's a very, very, very sad story. Right. So, what very would what would story. what would you do? Because she says that she would be too ashamed or embarrassed because she'd be taking the place of others in hospital or in ambulances, etc., etc., etc. Were she to ask for help? Well, I, first of all, she she has to forget that attitude, and um, as you were interviewing her, they were saying the best person she can speak to is herself. She's creating major problems for herself by not eating. Uh, she's not allowing people in. She has to speak to somebody, and a lot of people will help her. She has to speak to somebody, and there's nothing going to rescue, rescue her from that situation but help. She has to get help. And then she's a lovely lady. She comes always a very genuine, sincere person, Phil. And I would say that the only way I know you're going to make a recovery is say to yourself, i got to talk to people. I would say a public health nurse should call to you. You should have home health. How would that happen? How would a public health nurse call? Well, what I can do, what I can do, I can, I can make a phone call. I can make a phone call. And um, because, I mean, if that lady uh, doesn't qualify for a home health, who does? She should have a, a public health nurse calling on, on, a, on a very, very regular basis. You see, I'm not moving away from the topic, but regrettably... A lot of people who are living on their own today like that are isolated. In Cork alone, in Cork City alone, Neil, we have 5,500 elderly people over the years of 65 years of age. We have a lack of um, what we call community care. We have a waiting list for home helps. We have a waiting list for, for public health nurses. Well, uh, the numbers of uh, public nurses out of the district are just totally inadequate. This lady requires help. I can phone her. I'll talk to her, please. Yeah. I mean, I know she doesn't want to speak to a person, and I, I hate saying this, so I'm not trying to embarrass the lady, but Phil is a lovely lady. I, I, I know of her, but I think her greatest problem now is the state of her house. 
Uh, and I will speak to her on the phone. If she wants to speak to me, if we have a chat, she can call me a friend. Uh, I'm not going to do anything behind her back. I'm not going to do anything. But I'll say, Phil, to get better, to get better, you must allow people into your, not into your house, you must allow the medical profession. We must contact There's, there's, a, there's a lot of people getting in touch who want to help and, and in, yeah, help yeah, in any yeah, way, yeah. way, shape they can. But, do, but, but it's medical intervention. Like, would a, would a public health nurse then, having visited and seen that she's not eating and hasn't eaten for weeks and can't keep anything down and is losing stones and stones in weight and will, will ultimately just pass away, will that public health nurse then make a plan where she gets medical intervention? That, that's the public health nurse. Uh, if she's as bad as a judge, I mean, I'm sure she's of course she is. Yeah, of course that that public health nurse should 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 phone an ambulance straight off and have that lady have Phil um, in, admitted into a, into a hospital. She requires medical 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 care, and she must forget about what she heard about the long waiting list, the one the long waiting time at the uh, UH. Yeah. But if, if you've got a wait, an hours and hours, it, 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 six hours or eight hours, the case may be, Phil must think of it this way, these are hours spent on, for you getting help, and you will get help in the hospital. See, Phil, it would make more sense to be getting help, because right at the moment you're doing nothing, just sitting there wasting. No, that's yes. she, 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 Yeah, sorry, Phil, I'm sorry you cut across your Do you understand? Okay, baby. And I, w- I would say that... Um, a lot of things as well, Phil, Phil, is that you mightn't realise this. After the COVID, people were in a state of shock. And now at this point in time, I am no, I am no medical man and far from it, but a lot of people get depressed and they don't recognise that themselves. Yeah, I know. Because that, gen- that generates themselves from being lonely. Lonely is like one of the conventional diseases. It kills people, it upsets people. Mm. And uh, I would say in one sentence, Phil, is it? A lovely person, but you are a very, very lonely person, and you think you're helping yourself by ignoring everything. And Phil, please, um, I can take your phone number uh, privately from Seamus or from Kevin. I'll talk to you over the phone. I will not call you unless you want me to, and I'll call you every day just to speak to yourself. You're lonely. You're you're actually depressed at the moment. You need you need phone. yeah. You, would you agree with that, uh, Phil? That you know, being alone and everything, that you'd be down as Absolutely. well, not getting fresh yeah. air and things like that into your Absolutely. lungs. Absolutely. So it'd get anybody yeah. down, but you do need help, and um, and I, 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 I hope you're not going to be stubborn about this now. I know. I'm just ashamed. You see, no. Don't be ashamed to get somebody else. I was always used to doing it. You want to, you, you only rang me to try and get help with the symptoms of long COVID. That's fair enough. Yes. But right now, this is a yes. bigger problem. It might be that. It mightn't be that. But you need help, and you're unwell, and you're only going to waste away. So you need to reach out now and accept the help that's going to be offered, okay? Because I can tell okay. you now, there are loads and loads of people here texting me who would be more than happy to help and go in there and give the house a good spring clean yeah, for yeah. you. So you need to, you know, swallow your pride now. Pride is a wonderful thing. Don't get me wrong. That's fine. Be proud I of know, your home. But you need help I now and intervention to make things right so you can get your strength back. Yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. You do. Can I, can I just say one thing there, um, the statement about feeling ashamed. Don't feel ashamed of anything whatsoever. Because what happens is this, when a person is down when they're lonely, all the thoughts they have about themselves are all very negative. They're all negative. So you're zoning, you know, that you're ashamed of the house. No, you're just a lonely person. 
you don't want to speak to the person. It was tough to make it. It was very difficult if it's not for you to speak on a, on a one. Do what Neil Prendable says. It's saying, you know, we want to help. We're all trying to help you. Um, and the, the first pick, the first move must be and um, a home, it's not a home, but a public health nurse or a doctor. It's a medical profession. We'll look after you now. Well, they, they will now anyway, because everybody's aware of the situation she finds in herself. Well, I she tried. With yeah. a priority. I tried. I tried. And I tried. Okay, okay. And well, there's others I, are going to try now and help. Okay, so, Paddy, when we hang up here, you will call Phil. Uh, you'll have a I chat will. with her. You'll be able I to will. get that public health nurse to, to call, will, yeah. assess yeah, the situation. Yeah. And, Phil, you're okay with that, aren't you? This is the start of you I'm, getting better. I'm okay with right. Yes, I'm okay with that. That's why I phoned. Okay, that's okay. In the first place, that's because you're my last talk. Not at all. Happy to be here to be able to facilitate okay. making things better for you. So... Expect a phone call from the great Paddy O'Brien. Expect a visit from the I public would. health nurse. And I, I would be very surprised if um, if things didn't move rapidly and quickly to get you healthy again, all right? Okay. And thank you very okay, much. Okay. Ho- hold thank on you. there. Paddy, um, just before you go, Paddy, um, and thank you for intervening on behalf of Phil. I knew you would. Would you say that after the last two and a half years, what everybody was went through, went through particularly the elderly, that there are many people like Phil out there who feel isolated, alone, um, might be very depressed and very worried yeah. or anxious, yeah. uh, that are wasting away. That is for definite. Phil's case, regrettably, but perhaps not as, as bad as that. Regrettably, there are people out there who never got over the shock of the COVID. There are thousands of people out there who are experienced loneliness and depression for the very, very first time. It was uh, unnatural to these people to be confined in their own homes, no visitors, wearing a mask, can't go to mask, and there there are people out there with mental health problems at the moment, and directly as a result of uh, the COVID. Many, many people. And what did they get hit with then? Um, Fuel cost increases, (coughs) not being able to put on the heating, going to bed early, you know. I, I, I said, and not till recently, on the echo to Bridgraham, I said, they were just getting over this, about the COVID and the anxiety of staying at home. Yeah. Next, they're hit with the price of coal, the price of food, the price of electricity, the price of oil. And that set, that set them back again. But, um, and do you think there are many people who are alone in, say, Phil's scenario and others like her, who fear old age and being alone and not having, unless they sell their home, the price of home care or the price of um, nursing home care? Yes, there are, but I, I would have to say this, that the greatest thing, was, but what the survey was done many years ago about elderly people, and the greatest wish they want is this, to remain on in their own home, in their own community. Very few people would even sell their house. But I think this, this is this, that there are so many people living alone today that actually not being covered properly. They are, they are, I mean, um, I, I just go back a couple of years ago and we had two cases where one man was found dead on the north side. He was dead eight, eight, ten weeks, another man six weeks after. And that was all. Why? But why? I think we want um, um, public health nurses a very, very, very important role to play. A very important role. And I think that's the first stop now for this lady, for, for Phil. Good man. Okay. And, and, okay. and, and listen to your programme. There was people this morning uh, living alone who are saying, my friend was speaking about me. 
Mina was the person at home listening to your program. Yeah, but by all means, I'll keep contact with Faye. Good man, I knew you wouldn't let me down. Okay, that's a priority for you. I'll let you get on with it because she's a... She's a great gal and we want her to be well and get her life back so she can be healthy and happy. So over to you, Paddy. Thank you so much for coming Thanks on board. Dave. Appreciate it Thanks as always. Thanks No problem. Text 0868 Pam says, I'll clean her house free of charge. Hi, another person says, I'm a professional cleaner. I'm happy to come and clean that lady's house free of charge. Nobody will ever know that I was even there. Uh, another one, that lady sounds like she's suffering post-viral syndrome, which before COVID few people knew of. As most infections are viral and not bacterial, that's why antibiotics are not initially prescribed. Post-viral syndrome can be nearly worse and can cause dreadful debilitating symptoms for one to two years or more. Um, that poor lady, I hope she'll get the help. My heart goes out to her, says Caroline. Uh, I would like to help that woman and clean her home. I live locally on the north side. I love to clean and I love to chat. Isn't that lovely? I'd love to help that woman. My name's Louise. I'm 33. I would love to clean her home. Um, if that woman gets help for her health, I'd gladly go and give her a place, and I'd gladly go in and give her place a good clean, says somebody else. Um, somebody else suggesting Nexium before you eat. It should stop the vomiting. My mum takes it daily. Just listening to Phil. Uh, I was in Lanza in 2020. Myself and my sister got very sick in January with exactly the same symptoms. Drained of energy, no appetite, terrible cough. We spent weeks like that, just like rag dolls. And I still to this day have very low energy. My body has shut down bit by bit. I try to fight it every day. Uh, I can't believe I'm listening to that woman struggling on the radio in 2022. It's an absolute disgrace. It worries me about the future for old people this coming winter and beyond, says Tony. And just two or three more. My heart is breaking. Does she have any family to help her? I'd have no problem linking in with that woman once a week or something to fill, to help her out if she needs something, someone to do a few bits and pieces for her. Uh, long time ago, I was sick for several months, and if I ate, I would vomit the food straight up. I lost about three stone, had loads of tests, and nothing. I got nervous going out. I had no energy. Eventually, I found a small lump on my neck, and it showed and showed it to a consultant. He said it was a node and most likely was a viral infection. I booked hypnotherapy, did five sessions, never looked back. Uh, my system needed a re- reboot. The mind is a funny thing, especially when people dismiss your symptoms like is happening to Phil. My heart's broken Listen to that woman on air. I would love to get her home clean for her and get her back to comfort. I have three dogs myself, so the dogs in her house would not bother me. And there's reams more like that, literally reams more. Text 0868104106. Wake up to Red Breakfast with Kira, Laura and Rob Heffernan. Laura is going to play for Kira, and Darren is going to play... With the other Kira. With the other Kira. Here we go. We're approaching the boxes. The first house. First right, get those. Okay, here three, we go. Three, two, one, go. Oh, yo, you some set of choppers on Omani. Oh, get, get the head under, oh, Kira. Oh. You're only half-heartedly doing it. No, you bet the spin. No, Laura has to do the apple. Oh, Raven's cheated. I got a bit. Yeah. Yes. Laura won. I got you, Laura won. Kira, you have the tickets. Red Breakfast with Rob, Kira, and Laura. Weekdays from 6 a.m. With My Expressway. Travel with Expressway from Cork to major towns and cities. Take it easy and visit expressway.ie today. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Okay, so wheels are in motion for Phil and we'll keep a close eye on it and hopefully, fingers crossed, all will be well. Meanwhile, Una, thank you. You've been waiting an age. Thanks for holding. Good morning. Okay. No problem. Yeah. Okay. We um, spoke, didn't we, about, what, three years ago? 
Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, there were some very horrific experiences regarding your dad, if I remember. Was that the case? That's correct, yeah, yeah. And uh, they eventually, I, I, I say they eventually managed to kill him. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my, why do you say that? How bad was it? Well, basically, he the first time he had been in accident emergency in the CUH uh, with an issue... I won't go into it in too much detail, but it was an emergency. He was 12 hours in the in the accident and emergency in the CUH. This was 10 years ago. Uh, or sorry, 2006. And, uh, you know, he was waiting 12 hours, which wasn't too long by today's standards, uh, in the emergency, accident and emergency. Um, it was horrific. The people in the bed, the person in the bed next to him, uh, after being in a fight and he was wailing and shouting and all his uh, family were in around and friends and they were all wailing and shouting and my father was in the bed next to him waiting to be seen with a chronic stomach uh, problem a man of uh, 80 years of Good age Good God, and, imagine um, having to sit next to that lie yeah, next so to that so basically, look, we took him out of the place at 7 o'clock the following morning we took him out the back door of the emergency in the CUH we were told not to but we had to get him out we took him over to the Mercy where he was uh, treated and successfully treated. But look, the bottom line basically is with this health system, obviously nothing has changed and it's not going to change for the foreseeable future because there isn't the the will to change because if they were going to do something, the governments, they'd have done it by now. You know, after 15, 20 years of people retelling the same stories as my story, you know, like the old lady, the 78-year-old woman with the gash in the back of her head, the way yeah. she was treated. Dan's mother. Now, you know, I don't know if it's a case of individual politicians not wanting change. I think it's more fundamental than that. Um, I think that there's a lot of resistance within the system, uh, higher up, that people are, are, are not aware of. Uh, like we had a fantastic system which was offered recently to the uh, health services, Schlein to care. You know, that would have been a fantastic system. It mightn't have been the answer to everything, but it was disbanded recently because of internal resistance higher up was met by the four major doctors and professors that were allotted to, to, to set up this Schlein to care. They said it themselves. When they were asked, why are you resigning? And they said, internal resistance. We're not being allowed. Now, the consultants... That was, a, was, care was the idea that was to revisit everything with regards to how we run our health system, was it? Root well, it was, create, it, was, it was to get rid of the two-tier system that we operate at the moment and have a one universal health care for all. Now, the, the, you see the problem... The two-tier system being private and public. Yeah, you have private, you have public beds being taken up at the moment by private patients yeah. in our system. If you go to an ac- if you have an accident and you're a private patient, after a certain time, you you can't go into directly a pri- your private hospital. You have to go to accident and emergency in the Mercy or the CUH or somewhere else. And you're in there, a private patient. Now, I'm nothing wrong with people have to be treated, you know, but that's the way the system is set up. So, you know, you have to wait for these patients maybe then to be moved the following day to their private wards or hospitals before uh, public patients can get that bed. 
uh, that's not the patient's fault. That's the way the system is set up. That's mm. what they were trying to get rid of. You have private doctors treating private patients in public beds, which was happened to my father. He was a private patient, but because he had an accident, uh, eventually, which killed him, um, he was being treated in the CUH in a private capacity in a public bed. We we were objecting to it and saying, listen, it's not that we're snobs. We, you know, we, he happens to work all his life and pay for this. But he's taking up a public bed here, you know. Oh, no, 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 this this is no, no concern of yours. I refused in the end to sign the documents to have the consultant paid. You know, we brought a document from the VHI, signed this. I said, no, he's in a public ward, so he'd be treated by the public system. So that's the fundamental. We'll go back to that. The consultants are a resisting change. There has to be something in it for someone if change isn't happening. Do you understand? Yeah, and what, what is that, that there's an arrangement between consultants and hospitals that they do X amount of public work in return for beds for private patients? Yes, but okay. they get paid by the public system and the private system. So they get so, paid so up by both. Nice. Okay, okay. And do, do, you, nice. do you mind me asking, yeah. did, did your dad die and pass away because he didn't get proper medical care? Well, he contracted MRSA and C. difficile when he was in the CUH after a hip operation, and that's what killed him eventually. They wouldn't let him let us move him out of the ward because they said he was infectious, and until everybody in that ward was clear of this um, MRSA and C. difficile, so there was three of them died in that ward during that, we'd say, two-week period. Good God. They were incubated there. So... Uh, so Infections within the hospital killed them, not the reason oh, yeah. they were in for treatment. That didn't kill them. No, 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 none of them. None of them. They, you know, I, I can remember them distinctly, the three, including my father. But um, so, you know, this is going back now that length of time. So, so this is the problem we have, that if individual politicians want to change the system, they can't because it, within that system, there's fundamental cha- uh, resistance. There's resistance within the system to change. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I'm clean out you know? of time right now, yeah. Una. I really am. Oh, yeah. But I do appreciate I just wanted to briefly say, what they do is they try to fix things that aren't broken. For example, the Life Centre with Don O'Leary, yeah. perfectly suited to the education system that could save a lot of kids from ending up homeless on the street. And what do they go in? They go in and they break it up. Balnacurra in Middleton, perfectly suited to the locals. What do they go in? They go in and they break it up and mm. destroy it. That's all they're doing at the moment. They're not meeting the challenge of the resistance of these groups that are in the middle of the healthcare system Resisting everything. Resisting okay. change. Thanks, Una. Back after 11. Text 0868 104 106. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. A story break, breaking there in the last half hour on Cork Bio. They're reporting that emergency services rushed to the scene of an apartment fire in Cork City Centre shortly after midnight last night, tackling a serious blaze. Cork City, City Fire Brigade have told Cork Bio that the fire may have been started by an electric bike which had been charging in a room above the pub where the residents were living. All of the residents above were evacuated successfully and there were no reported casualties. But looking further at it, they believe that it was an electric bike on charge inside a bedroom. So there's four units of the fire brigade responded to the alarm. Quarter past midnight, early this morning, down to, they rushed to Lower Barrack Street. The fire had broken out in an apartment above the, above the pub 
And eyewitnesses uh, told Corkpio that they heard a woman screaming for help from the rear of the building. And the loud screams then led the residents of the nearby apartment block quickly pouring out into the streets and they all ended up watching the fire brigade as they went into action. And you had local residents uh, evacuated them from their apartments, most of them in pyjamas, standing under umbrellas in the pouring rain. And the firemen uh, and women tackled the blaze. Uh, they didn't get back in for a few hours, but story to this is that, thank God, the tragedy was averted. But they figure uh, that it was caused by an electric bike charging inside a bedroom. You just, I mean, you can never tell, really. You think that would be a perfectly okay thing. But it's not the first time that I've heard of an electric bike indoors uh, that started a blaze. Probably something to do with the battery on the electric bike. I don't know. Uh, but that's just been reported in the last half hour. Uh, meanwhile, can I just take some more time out, if you don't mind? Because I know we're talking about a lot this morning. But I have a life-changing prior. I mean, well... It's not going to change your life forever, but it certainly will give you a damn good makeover at home if you had 10 grand to spend. And you know, wouldn't that come as a massive boost for somebody to win a 10,000 euro prize? Well, that's what I have, courtesy of Soundstore, celebrating the opening of their new electrical superstore at Market Green Retail Park in Middleton. So Neil's five-star giveaway returns, and this time with Soundstore. So we have our five different stars all saying a word each. When you stitch the five of them together, you get this. So have a listen, all right? Have a listen. I love corks. Right. FM. Five different stars stitched together. They say, I love Corks Red FM. You need to guess who those voices are in the correct order. If you manage to do it, and somebody will, they always do in the end, €10,000 to spend at Soundstore Market Green Retail Park in Middleton. Now, each voice that's that's identified correctly for the first time, whoever identifies that voice gets a €100 voucher. And that'll be one each time a correct voice is guessed for the first time. But all five of them in the correct order, €10,000 to spend on whatever you want in Soundstore. And I'll tell you some more uh, that's on offer in Soundstore Uh, Middleton a little later on this morning but you need to identify the five voices or at least have a stab at it because the way this works is is that everybody ends up helping each other until we get down to four and that's when the real panic sets in because there's only one voice left to guess for the 10 grand prize so here it is again I love Corks Red FM I love Corks Red FM not easy but it is a 10 grand prize and we'll open the phone lines for the first time in about 15 minutes time we got calls on the way Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106. Red FM. More text in a minute. Back to calls. Uh, Paul is standing by. First up, Don, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Thank you for taking the call. I know it's not the easiest thing in the world to share um, personal family stories, but thank you all the same. Uh, you wanted to contribute? Uh, yeah, look, I just was listening yesterday um, and I heard that girl that was on there about when she went out to the hospital and the doctor. Um, the communication problems between her and the doctor where he was interested in another part of her anatomy in the part. Yeah, al- alarming. Yeah, it was alarming. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely crazy. But anyway, I'd just like to just say to you, um, a few years ago, my father had um, a heart attack and he was admitted to the nursery where he received fantastic care by a doctor down there. Absolutely fantastic. He kept him alive for years. <clears throat> this doctor, this, this cardiologist in the nursery, I won't mention his name, um, but after that, shortly after that, 
well, a few years, four years later, after that, he did, he developed some kind of, um, uh, he did, he did, he did, he did, an artery in the side of his face was causing him a lot of uh, problems. He was, he was suffering a lot of pain, so he was admitted to have a procedure done, but when he went in there, they were unable to do it for some reason or another, and he was discharged, but when he was discharged, he was taken off his medication. The consultant never consulted the cardiologist cardiologist was totally unaware oh my that God. he was even in the hospital oh at the time. So he was still uh, on cardiology treatment uh, medication yeah. following the heart yeah. attack, yeah? Yeah, to, to keep him alive. No, the staff to kept him alive for four years with the treatment that he was giving him. Right. But, okay. And I think your mum passed away as well in the intervening years, did she? Well, my mother, my mother passed away about six weeks before that. Um, she, I actually took her over the UCC or the University Hospital myself. Um, and the first day I went, I went out there, actually, I was out there visiting her about two days before she was left out. And there were these two Indian nurses behind the desk. And I went to ask them how her night had been, how she'd put it down. Both of them were on the computer. I think they were more interested. I know they were more interested in whatever they were looking at. But I stood in there for at least, I must have stood in front of them for five minutes. I didn't want to upset them because I didn't want to, to, to take it out of my mother afterwards. And they totally ignored me. And until this point, I just had to say, excuse me, please. Could you tell me what where my mother spent the night? And then one of them looked up at me and kind of gave me a look, and I mean a look as if I was interrupting them. And anyway, they, they basically went and looked at the chart and told me, and that was that. My mother then was discharged when I took her home. They never All right, that was her. rather um, dispassionate, I have to say. Um, oh, totally. Regardless oh, yes. of oh. what country or the colour of their skin, um, all people should be treated to, you know, deal with, well, with, I, a, we, with, a, I, with a question like that in a respectful manner. Yeah. Exactly, um, and but I was in fear that um, they might not attend to her properly because any time we went out there, they never seemed to be anybody around there. But anyway, C- when I did go this, to take her this home, this is CUH you're talking about, yeah, with your man. Yeah. But when I did when I did go to take her home, um, there was nobody there to see me or nobody there to to, to 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 tell me what she needed to do or to be done. And we found out afterwards that she needed exercise because. Um, for blood clotting and stuff like that um, after the heart attack and shortly afterwards she developed a clot on her lung and she was brought back into the University Hospital and she died there then shortly after that. And I, so when I you went into, I'm so sorry to hear but she also had a heart attack, had she? She had a bypass. A bypass, yeah. But and when when you she, went to collect her there was no one there to help you or to no. you know chat with you but you just went into the no. ward collected your mum and left? Yeah, I mean if you went to the the daycare centre with the doggy daycare centre is there someone there to hand the dog over to you know I know it chalk it down yeah. Yeah. yeah or even like and I think the dog will get anyway that's another going away and another, but no like but you're say, right I mean it's uh, I know what you're saying I know exactly what you're saying real life yeah but like what I'm saying outside of that is that I'm sure there's many 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 more people like me going to ring in about this after I've, I've said this um, but I, 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 that was my mother unfortunately and then my dad I said after that he um, was he was discharged from the uh, mercy with all his diuretics. Um, he went home. His lungs filled up with fluid. He was readmitted. Um, he was brought back in and he was put into the IC um, the intensive care unit where he picked up um, MRSA and pneumonia. And the the doctor did the, the understudy of the the consultant. We never saw, or he never saw him, but she was the one that gave, took him off the medication. We did then, afterwards, he was put into a room, they were supposed to send him to 
St. Finn Bears because they thought, I suppose, initially they thought that he'd see it out there. Um, but he didn't. He died inside three weeks afterwards when they attempted to move him to Mary Mount. Um, as my sister said, I was just speaking to her there just earlier and she said to me, we, we, we could have got another Christmas over, you know. Um, no. But no. that's what happened to him. No, we did meet with the board in the hospital afterwards. We insisted on it. And um, oh, they were all apologies. They couldn't look us in the face. They were looking at their boots under the table. All we said to them, we were, we were made aware that we could have taken a case against them and there would have been compensation have to be paid, but we didn't want anything to do with that. We mm. were so upset. Mm. We weren't prepared to go through with that. Mm. And we just asked them that this would not happen to another family. That would, that would be payment for us. That's enough for us. That's all we wanted. So the and issue regarding the filling up of his lungs and getting very, very sick at home was a consequence of him been taking off the medication by the doctor yep. that yep. the cardiologist had put him in, like left hand yep. not knowing what the right hand is doing. Exactly. And, and, that, and, and that was proven to be the oh, reason that he was oh, yeah. back in well, hospital. My, you know, my doctor, my sister went to the, his GP the following morning and with his prescription and there was no tablets for the diuretics were not on the prescription. And she said it to the, the doctor, and he said, that's very, very strange. She said, you'll have to look back into that. And we were actually, because the doctor prompted us to to go go after him, like, to, to follow it up, you know, because they, they knew. But isn't that malpractice, though? Oh, yes, it was, yes. There's no ways about it. And I'm, I'm quite sure. Neil, there's people out there today going into the, these hospitals to die, just to die. And that's as simple as that. I know of a fellow that works with me. His mother was in her age, she got sick. She was put into the university hospital. There was no nurse at night there for to get her to bring her to go to the toilet. She was ringing the bell on and off, on and off. She got out of the bed, broke her hip, and she died. And she came out of the hospital in the box as well. And I know of other cases as well. So that was a case of she was trying to get out of the bed to go to the loo, broke her yeah. hip and died? Yeah, that's a fact. Because there was nobody to help her attend? There was no one there to help her. Like, I mean, if, if they're not getting care during the day, if, if it's like... The war zone during the day, don't deal. I can imagine uh, what's going on at night in the, these hospitals. And, and then in particular, when people are going in there, I've seen it, you're at your weakest, especially the elderly, they're at your weakest. They are, they're, they're at their weakest. And they're fearful to cry out or to call out for treatment. For Like as you said, that woman there yesterday, I heard that woman there yesterday about that nurse and she glaring at her and she, the way she treated her and offhandedly speaking to her that she'll be there for another day waiting. Like the nerve of that woman, that person, like, if they don't want to be in there, don't go in there. You I know, know but if he does a terrible disservice to the good, hard-working, kind nurses and doctors. It, I, just, I just said, it, when I started, the doctor, the cardiologist, that was in the nurse, was, brilliant. was absolutely yeah, yeah. Saved your dad's life, yeah. It was prolonging yeah, his I, life until the other character then took him off the cardiologist's medicine. Yeah. 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 But this well, MRSA is a huge problem, isn't it? It's killing an awful lot of people, and it would, it would it appear was, to be yeah. MRSA cross-infection in hospital, wouldn't it? Well, that's why he got it. And you know, I, I, I'm not a very religious person, but my mother was a very religious woman. She was a mass everyday woman. But you, you wonder about priests and stuff like that. There was a priest inside there. His, his name was Father Christie. He's dead now. He was a, he was over from St. Francis. And he was inside in the ward, and he was inside with my dad. And at that stage, he couldn't see or he couldn't hear. And he said to me, my hands are very cold. His hands are outside the blanket. And that priest, knowing that he had MRSA, put his hands all over his hands to keep warm. Oh my God. Yeah, like I know. You know, when we generalise against people, we yeah. do them a terrible disservice. And that, yeah. yeah. And uh, no doubt that man went back to that church that night on his own, you know, no family to comfort him or to speak to or, you know, so. 
What did they say? Um, you know, what? and then we hear this thing here about um, our, our health service and the health service in Spain. We'd have a fine health service here in Spain if they weren't paid a billion euros of fish out of our waters every every year. If they weren't or what? If they weren't paid a billion euros of fish out of our waters every year. Yeah, I know. They're tying up probably with 100 boats or something like that. And they're taking all that that resource is going out of our country. You have Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, some of these. But I don't think countries. we're I don't think we're short of money as such. I I think we just uh, spend it in all the wrong places. Well, Neil, even during the boom, I think there's also the uh, I think there's an awful lot of uh, people, as Una was saying earlier on, who have vested interests in all sorts of different sections of Irish society that don't want change. They just don't want change. Well, Neil, that's they like the, they, they look, like the status that, quo. It's the, it's the political leaders need to make call these shots. Like, I mean, even during the boom, when we had billions and billions in Charlie Borders on TV every night and shouting and roaring about what was coming in and what the, the hospitals weren't working, right? It's, it it's simply, it can't be money, or if it is money, I don't know. Um, well, it is money. I believe it is money. It is money. It has to be money. If yeah. They, they, yeah. they'd throw it at it if it was there and, and shut everybody up. But outside of that, Again, I no doubt when I come off this phone that your your your, your lines will be lighting up like Christmas trees. Um, because I know I've heard of several cases where people, especially elderly people, are being discharged. Um, and let them just go off and, and die. Just, but you, know. you 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 lost both your parents in circumstances where they should not have died. I'm, I'm fully convinced both of them didn't. And as I say, my sister said to me this morning, especially. When I brought my mother home, nobody told us anything that she needed to have exercise or whatever, or what was the aftercare. None of us did. We didn't get a booklet. We got nothing. She was after having a major open heart surgery bypass, and we were not told. How you got no direction with after treatment. Yeah, I, I you even hadn't then. anybody there to help you with her with her discharge. What no, do you make no. then of say, Michal Martin's over now? At, I know climate change is, is important. I, I get that. I, I really do. But he's over there now and he's kowtowing and he's speechifying and he's all these fine words uh, when he can't even look after your elderly patients when they're sick and in need of hospital care. Yeah. I mean, the priorities are all wrong, aren't they? Well, as regards Ireland, what we're putting into the air is, is nothing, is minimal. I mean, absolutely nothing. Chalk it down. I mean, the big culprits yeah. here are the Chinese, the Americans and the Indians. The um, and, and, uh, and, and, but I know that's a story for another day, climate change. I get that. But I'm talking well, about prioritising things that actually matter, you know? Well, if you, look, if you look at climate change, the Chinese, the Indians, the Brazilians, a lot of them... Their, their, their standards of living are going up and all they want is, is when they go up is like us in the winter, we want central heating, they want air conditioning. And that's what they want and they need it and especially in the Middle East as well and that that needs oil and they're going to continue to do that and there's nothing that we can do. But why, you see, why then when Stephen Donnelly goes into the COH do they tidy the whole place up? I mean, why don't, well, I mean, why don't the... I don't, I don't know. I would suggest to the doctors and the nurses and the cleaning staff and those involved in catering and all sorts of different sections of the hospital to refuse to clean anything or tidy anything and to not well, let I, anybody um, 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 manipulate the real situation in our hospital when, a, when the suits arrive. Well, I, I actually did work in the, in the university hospital. I worked in a few of the hospitals some years ago and I can guarantee you that does happen. And it's the... Uh, Pop brass the way sellers walking inside there, they'll be tripping over their boots, their laces to 
to get these fellas, you know. It's just but what if the staff said, we won't let you do this anymore? It's going to be as is. Chaos. You do, you go out the door, they'll fire you. But they can't fire them all. If they all just say, enough. Like, because I know, I know, okay, you're going to meet a cranky and a surly nurse. You're going to meet a doctor who makes a balls of it, and you have, and yesterday others did. But not all of them, you know? So, so for them, like, they're, 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 important, they're important as well with regards to being able to do their job properly and get on with it. It's a bit like, you know, you hear the constant grief against against the Garda Shikana. I'm sick to death of hearing that, like people yeah. complaining about guards and complaining about response times, as if it, each, every single individual guard has some sort of ulterior motive to not want to do their job, you know? vast majority of them do. Well, I, I, I firmly believe with the guards is what's happening is that they're not being back from the courts and there's an element there where it's like, it's, I think that they're, they're demoralised and they're frustrated and I don't think they're not getting enough pay for the job that they're doing. And then, um, if I mean, if you go back all those years ago, there's a guy up in Abilera, um, he, he was... He had mental issues and he had a shotgun. Walking down the road, yeah. Yeah, yeah and you had, you had, a, you had an arm guard response unit going there. I mean, they shot that man afterwards, like, and was it, was it the case that the guard was going to go home or there was no guard going to go home to his family and his children because of a, a guy with a mental illness was was walking around with a shotgun, you know what I mean? Um, so, like, and these guards then up, up right through the courts and right through the mill. So, I mean, you have to, that's... Yeah, they got the added worry of GSOC or members yeah, of the public yeah. then making things up about them and complaining yeah, about exactly. them. I don't, I don't for a moment, I'm not suggesting that there aren't valid complaints about individual members of the force. For God's sake, of course there is, like in any walk of life. But this generalisation that all doctors or all nurses or all guards are just doing a 5 eight job and they're lazy, that's bull. Of course, I agree. But as I say, um, Again, Neil, just this morning, again, as I say about what happened with my parents, um, All right. it's, it's a very, it's a kind of an emotional thing. Um, it's, it, it's not nice to bring it up, but I just think, no, I, I spoke this morning and I think I've done a service to them in their, in their memory. You have. And I hope that there's others out there who come forward because I believe this is, this why, like, it, 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 if one of my parents had died through neglect, I'd, I'd have said, oh, here, maybe, all right. But the fact that both of them went there and, with a family, it's well not comfortable talking about it to each other. Um, it's it's it hurts. No, it yeah, hurts yeah. to lose both your parents and in circumstances where they should not have died due to clearly uh, medical negligence. But thank you for sharing it, Don. I do appreciate no it. Problem. Thank no you. Problem. I hope you feel a bit thank better you. sharing it. Thank you, Paula. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Thanks. Pardon me for keeping you so long. Um, no, something fine. positive, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Even though I too could tell you a story about a patient being discharged too early from hospital and the consequences of it, but that's a different different day's discussion. Okay. But yeah, it's a positive experience at the weekend with my mother-in-law. She was listening to you yesterday and wanted to put a positive spin on the medical care she We got. could do with um, it. Yeah, we could do with absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she just had a small accident herself at home on Saturday doing a bit of gardening. There was something heavy filling her foot. Um, and on Sunday morning, it was quite swollen and kind of blistered and didn't look nice. So um, I took her up to the Mercy Urgent Care Centre in Baker's Road, up in the old orthopaedic centre up there. Yep. Um, 
fabulous treatment she got up there. Um, we were, I'd say we were in and out in less than three hours. That's kind of breaks and, and strains and cracks and stuff yeah. like that, isn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, small injuries and things like that. Yeah. So she was x-rayed up there. Um, found out she had a chipped bone in her toe. Um, they dealt with it, strapped it. Um, she needed a little bit of treatment on her toe. She had a lovely nurse called Mary dealing with her. She said to praise her to high heavens because she was lovely. And when? And at what stage then were you told not to go to CUH, not to go to Mercy, go to orthopedic, go to Mercy took, Care? I never even thought of it, Neil, because I had been listening to the nightmare stories of a So you knew of the thing. urgent care clinic on Baker's Road and you knew all about it? Absolutely. So I wonder how many people, yeah, but I wonder how many people automatically think... I got a rush to the South Infirmary. I'm sorry, you can't. They'll turn you away there. Yeah. I got a rush yeah. to the CUH. I'd say a lot of I people... I would say probably plenty of people would go there. I wouldn't even think of an ur- the urgent care clinic. It was quite busy up there actually on Sunday. Sunday. It was Sunday afternoon, early afternoon when we were there. Um, lots of sports. So does that, mean, does that mean they should... Reasons. Yeah, but does, does, does that mean they should spread the load more to different places? Like for instance, you Absolutely. got you saw, like even even so far as you got a fellow who's drunk or is fighting or he's bruised or he's got a laceration to the face, it, they don't belong. They probably belong in a cell, actually, to be honest with you. But they don't belong in the A and E with legitimate cases. Sure, they don't. I don't think they do. No, anyway. they don't. I don't think they do anyway. No, I don't. And the only thing with the, the urgent care centre, it closes. I think at six o'clock in the evening. Possibly it might should stay open a bit later if it was staffed properly. Um, no, I wasn't in the rooms with her when she was being treated but I think there might have been one doctor and a few nurses on duty there um, so maybe if they put two doctors or three doctors maybe yeah. and a couple of more nurses and up there the they could times. deal with many more people yeah, yeah. Okay. stay open right. later okay great well I'm delighted for your mum and I'm delighted things worked out and people so the, the yeah. idea is for breaks or strains or trips or falls or fractures or minor injuries small injuries yeah definitely mercy urgent care centre yeah. yeah absolutely the old orthopaedic isn't it yeah, that's where it was. Yeah, all right, thanks, Paula. Indeed. Thank you. No problem at all. Thanks for taking Appreciate it. I was sent to the A&E in CUH by my doctor for what I would say was a minor problem. I didn't want to go, but he still insisted. I got there at six in the morning and waited eight hours. I asked, do they have any idea how long more? Only to be told another 15 hours. Uh, why don't they put up a sign telling you this? One of the nurses told me I should not be there at all. And a lot of doctors do this. A lot of GPs do this just to cover themselves, the nurse told me. Don't give them my details, but I'll be telling the doctor I won't go back the next time. Well, then, if doctors are um, shoveling people into the A&E for no particular reason, they need to cop themselves on in that regard. With regards to Phil, who hopefully now will turn a corner, uh, Phil definitely needs to contact the public health nurse. They could grant her home help. I hope she gets the help that she deserves. Please give Phil my number if she needs company or help in her home. I'm a huge animal lover and would only be too delighted to help this lovely lady if I can, says Neavan Douglas. Uh, well done and everyone concerned for helping that lady. She deserves help. I'm a home care worker with the HSE. I would love to be able to help Phil in any way I can, even if it's just to sit and chat with her, says Laura. Uh, what you did this morning for Phil is radio at its best, says Richie and Toker. Thanks, Richie. Uh, well done to everybody, including you, for having that woman. Simply the best. Thanks, Mary. Never been so ashamed of the state of the country as I'm listening to Phil on the air telling her story. Irish suffering while we while the imports are prospering. Can we stop using that word? It's like as if we're bringing in, um, you know, fridges or for bringing in televisions or importing motor cars from overseas. They're not imports. They're human beings for whatever reason. And I guess, I guess the... Um, 
annoyance that is causing people. I understand that, and you know, sometimes I struggle for. I struggle to be able to balance it and to and to push back against it. A typical example of no help being available for own while while we squander millions on unwelcome refugees. Uh, see what I mean? Um, and there's more like that. My son's girlfriend was sent by a doctor to the A&E in Cork on Friday afternoon. She has no family in Cork. They live in Kilkenny. She sat there for 24 hours and was eventually sent over to the maternity section for a scan. They thought she might have a twisted ovary or cysts. Uh, bear in mind, she went in Friday afternoon. She waited till 10 p.m. Sunday night. Nothing was done full stop. She was told they'd send an appointment in the post. She collapsed at work on Monday and has now been admitted to hospital. Our health system is a joke. We also had a young member of our family who was a patient in the CUH and has since passed away. I have to say the level of care will haunt me for the rest of my life. It's a complete and utter shambles. And I hope to God that any member of my family won't have the misfortune to be admitted there in the future to the CUH. We have a form to fill out about our concerns, but I just can't get my head around it yet, as we're still heartbroken. I dread the thought of Christmas. I used to love it. When I hear Christmas songs come on the radio, I think I'm just going to switch it off, Neil, when you start playing them. Christmas is supposed to be a happy time for families, but for our family, that is now all finished completely. And I know from many other people who have lost loved ones, the same story. Hope you get to read this out. Back after the break. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Okay, a couple of calls this side of midday and then I'll pick it up again in the morning. So do share. You can always uh, share your story by email to neil at redfm.ie. Joanne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, There's a worrying time for you. Tell us tell us about yeah. your mum because is your um, mom, she's 90, isn't she? She's 90, she's 91 next week and um, she basically went into hospital about five weeks ago. Um, she was rough at the weekend. We just, she'd just been diagnosed with breast cancer before that and we were into the orchard or the orchid centre being treated. And um, then one weekend her back just went so I phoned the ambulance and her they brought back her went. in. Is that you talking about? Her after back the, so went, she's got all yeah. of the treatment going on for breast cancer and now she's back she pain. She hadn't started it, she was just going into uh, consultants. But um, her back went and the ambulance um, came along. They were very good, took her in. in. She spent 60 hours on a trolley. Six zero, 60. 60, 60. And um, when we eventually, she eventually got into the ward, um, she was so doped up. She didn't know where she was, what she was doing. She's still hallucinating, still having hallucinations. Um, basically, she's been in now five weeks and um, they've discovered cancer on her spine and cancer somewhere else. Yeah, and um, yeah. we had a meeting with them last week and they basically handed us an envelope at the very end of it, just a brown, pa- brown plain envelope. And when we opened it up, it basically said we had to fill it within, in within 10 days or um, my mother would be charged €1,600 Euros a month to stay in CUH. Um, and we had to pick one of the the residential homes for her. Now, bearing in mind she's been treated for cancer and other such things, and they were basically ship, shipping her off. And at a cost to us, the cheapest home was a grand a week. And uh, okay. we had. We, um, says, so I think they're the they're they're giving you a letter to prepare for alternative uh, yes. residence for end of life care. Yeah. Isn't that but what it did, is? 
we did basically say that we would like her to go to a particular hospital. I don't want to name names because it would be put in. But basically, this particular hospital is for elderly people and um, it's not on the list of hospitals that are on there with all the massive prices. And we not hospitals, but home care settings. It's... It's, cl- it's called a hospital, okay. but it is an elderly patient hospital. Right. And you know, if, if your if your mum moved to a residential setting or a nursing home setting, would her yeah. would she still would she still get chemo and treatment for cancer? It would be. Uh, I presume. It, I don't know. I actually we haven't even broached that. Because like, what's that letter saying that you got that we can do no more for your mother because nothing, she has nothing as regards to that. The, the consultant was in with us, and she was very nice, and she was explaining at the meeting with the nurse and that that her treatment isn't over yet. But then we were still handed this envelope at the very end of the meeting. Oh, I almost forgot to give you this, and we didn't know what it was. I just thought it was a brand envelope of information. I took it home, didn't read it that night. Read it the next morning and it said you've got 10 days to drop this into your nearest HSC centre or your mother will be charged 1600 euros for being in CUH 1600 euro a week a week yeah a week (laughs) no name it's an eviction it's an eviction it's a threatening letter yeah basically yeah I'm sick to my stomach coming in here every day in case I bump into anyone and unfortunately today I do have to speak to that nurse and how many days so, ago was the 10 days given? The was Tuesday. Yeah, it was a week today. Okay. A week today. So are you expecting uh, them to ask you? Well, I was asked yesterday. Um, one of the nurses says, can you hang around, um, please? Because the nurse, the head nurse wants to speak to you. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll hang around. You know what that's and about. I anyway. couldn't, and I was, supposed, I was told half past three, but a quarter past four, I had to go and pick my daughter up from college. So I had no choice but to go. So today, What will you do? What is your next move? My next move is to try and get her into the hospital that we've been asking them to put her into, the one that um, my mum, everyone could visit her, it would be local. My, my sister doesn't drive. But why, so okay, but why isn't there a bed in a hospital for a very elderly person who's got lots of cancer? No, I'm saying lots of different cancers and different body parts of her yeah. body, where yeah. she'd be treated yeah. there, get her chemo there, whatever she's strong enough to do. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know whether it's chemo. My mum went in fully compass and now she makes no sense. So she can't even, we can't even take her on because we wouldn't be able to look after her because she could get up in the middle of the night. Yeah, she's hallucinating. But that could could be be the pain meds. Would it be the pain meds? Well, it's good some days and then it's bad the next and they were trying to get the pain meds right. We don't even know anymore. We don't even know. You ask too many, you ask here and you get told too many things and none of it makes any sense. And I mean, there's been days we've walked in there. She's, you know, her, the place has been filthy. We've had to clean the place down. Um, there's been days where she's been sitting there with her dinner and there's been no knives and forks or anything in front of her. Um, but, you know, she wasn't drinking enough fluids. Um, would she be, be hungry and wanting to eat? You know, well, I think she's gone past the point of not eating now. I think that, that possibly... Well, the what's drug, the point in putting food down on somebody? And then coming yeah. back later and just taking it away uneaten. And just taking it away. <laughs> yeah, and, and I've seen it with others as well. I've seen it with other patients. If they're incapable well. of doing it, they need help to eat. Yes, exactly. And she, at the time, because she was, they, they had her on a very, very strong, strong painkiller. Um, very, very bad. Caused all sorts of problems with her mind. And they want the beds. She didn't, they want she the didn't even know what was in front of her. 
It's sad, isn't it, that people yeah, will be treated terrible. like that, it's where terrible. they're saying, my mom we want would, the bed, if you're not out yeah. in 10 days, yeah, it's 1600 yeah. a week. It's a yeah. shocking yeah, state of affairs. I mean, it's almost threatening. It's, it's disgraceful. And I thought that with the medical card and being 90, all right, we, we, we know that there probably is. We haven't actually been told how long she has. We don't know. But my mum went in fairly fit and very aware. And now my mum is frail. And she doesn't know who we are sometimes. She thinks I'm my sister. She thinks my niece is somebody else. It, it, that's not my mum. My mum went in there with her full senses. That's heartbreaking. And now it's it's just, you know, I'm going in there today again. I'll be in every single day. And I dread going in because I dread who I'll meet and what they're going to say. I know. You, I know you are. Yeah. You're on alert that she's going to bring yeah. it up again and tell you you have yeah. three days left. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You could always just yeah. refuse. I have refu- I'm going to refuse until they pick that hospital that's close to us so we can all... I think you need to the- fight your I mean, corner, you know? If we all don't fight our own corners for our own loved ones, no, what, are, we're not, we're, what are we worth otherwise? And we, we live so far away from the hospital and it's a journey every day and it's the car parking fees, it's everything on top of that, you know, and... Uh, yeah, you know, I've, okay. I've, Good luck with you that. just can't you can't afford to do this, and then they, they, they treat them so poorly. I think after a certain age, they don't get the care. And I think, unfortunately, uh, the priorities change. It's 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 something that I've seen over the years. The priorities change yeah. depending on age. But the, remind yeah. them, you know, just remind them of their duty of care to your mother, and and stay in touch yeah. with me. Will you let us know because yeah. people would love to hear how things go for her. All right. I will. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks, thanks, Joanne. Just final call for now, Linda. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Um, um, well, you know, I'm actually, I, should get I'm used actually to these, I should get used to these stories, but I never do because every story is a, mm-hmm. is a, is a family mm-hmm. story and an individual's pain and suffering. It is. Yeah. It is. But, as, um, but from, uh, as somebody from the other side, a nurse, I'm actually livid <laughs> listening to this. Livid. Because it's like, you know... Uh, like yes, it could happen once or once or twice. I'm saying could happen. Was it was you know the? Do you work what, in an A and E? Yes. Okay. Um, are you going back into yes, the A and E soon? No. Nope. Nope. All right. No, and I'm you, out sick. Okay, but let's say yeah. when you were there, is it? Yeah. Is it is it chaotic for staff trying to keep on top of all of the patients and their notes and? problems with where to put them and triage and trying to get them through the system and backlogs and confusion well, no, over... Like it's a, no, it's not, it's not, look, we're trained, like when, when you're inside in triage, you can have a full waiting room, that's fine. There's no problem, like we have no problems in, uh, in what we have to do, right? Space, yes, is a problem when we get patients through because, as, as you know, um, you know, the waiting rooms have been pretty full of late. Yeah, but how know? many patients are um, you supposed to have under your watch? We don't, but we don't, there's not a number given. There's no number, thank you for that. Somebody no. suggested it was seven no. and, uh, it could, again, no. and that in reality it's more likely to be 15. Why are there language barriers, communication problems in the A&E? With who? Doctors, nurses. Apparently, who's how, how do you how do you mean uh, the conversation earlier yesterday with a doctor uh, with a patient who um, who said the doctor's English was shocking they couldn't communicate. Well, their, their English might be well. I I don't know any do- of any doctor okay. whose English is shocking. I mean, there's a lot of Cork people who've got a shocking accent, which are hard to understand. You know, if, if you want to put it that way, you know, it's just. 
you know, we, you try your best inside there, you know, and, and when you hear this, it's just, it's just galling, you know, and because you, you, you do try your best inside I there. Know, and, and, you hear, not, not, and I'm not criticizing, I'm just giving, these are real life stories from people who say that their notes are mixed and up, I understand that their charts that. are wrong, yeah. and they have been, other people have been given the wrong well, medication that's what happened. No, that's, 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 I mean, Neil, in all fairness, their, their charts are wrong, and they're given the wrong, like, if that ever happened, it, it, it's, it's once in a blue moon, and I've never heard of it happening. Mm. Never, mm. ever, What about ever. nurses, and what about nurses and staff going home crying yes I have done because I've, I've been upset because I could be looking after an elderly woman and no we don't discriminate between ages as as you said no I, I could I, be I, looking bed, at bed management certainly seems to I'm not saying that a nurse does good God no I'm not suggesting it but no. I am saying well actually it's actually the opposite bed management when we have elderly patients we could have somebody who comes in at 4 o'clock 4pm and we could have had an 18-year-old in from 4 p.m. the day before, just say, that, right? And that the priority is given for a bed to the elderly. You know, so is is and it is yeah. it, it, now or how sick they are. Like if if the, if that 18-year-old was very very sick, but, obviously she'd get a bed. I know, but you you can't be painting a rosy picture within the A and E. Surely be to God. I mean, it's you you got you got drunks in there, you got druggies in there, you got people fighting with each other, you got knife wounds in there from street fights and everything. Your head must be fried yeah. from it. Well, well, you see, that's not, it's not all the time that happens, right? But when it does happen, well, it's something like, well, I was going to say, we get used to it. You know, you don't, you don't, you actually don't take it, you don't, how do I say, you're but trained. If they weren't, but you're if they trained. weren't there in the first place, you'd be able to deal with legitimate. Makes, no, 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 that's, no. You like you don't you don't have to, like it's very rarely like inside and where but the any that I work, yes there are drunks yes there are druggies yes there are all that not all the time in fact very little time if I'm be if I'm being honest you know we it's very very little time okay. do we have you know and that is the truth you know I mean I've got I mean if I we have a lot to say about the HSE but that is true about the any you know. That that it's chaos. But, that there is no system. That no, there is a system. That people there can wait for days and days on chairs yeah. or trolleys. That elderly people. Well, can when be, you've got all, but when Neil, in all fairness, like when you've got all of Cork City descending into CUH, like what what does like what do you expect? You know, and I'm not saying that in a kind of like that's but that's the reality. Oh, sure, I know you have to cope with it, and you guys are li- yeah. left. You're left with the consequences of it, but we can't accept it anymore. Oh, absolutely, and and like like if somebody can come up with something that is better, like I mean, we only have two A and E's in the city. If you think about it, in Munster, in Munster. Your colleagues and you your know? colleagues are resigning because they're getting beaten up. Your colleagues are resigning mm-hmm. because of physical, verbal, sexual assaults on healthcare workers. There's a figure for the last mm-hmm. year and a half, and it totals eight thousand assaults since January 2021. The rest of them, yeah, then, if they're not hell, being yeah. assaulted and they're not being verbally and physically mm-hmm. abused, they're mm-hmm. quitting the job and going to Australia where mm-hmm. they'll be treated better. But that will tell you how hard our job is when we get physically and verbally attacked. 
that will tell you how hard our job is. So that's why it's very hard to listen when people are saying that we're not minding patients or, you know, like people like, for example, that that gentleman who said they took their, their mother out, or, you know, took their mother out. If they if they if you're discharging a patient, you have to go to a nurse. And you're given um, discharge letters, and in that, those letters would be your aftercare. There was no one there. Medication. There was nobody there. He looked around. There was waiting. nobody there. But yeah, yeah. But like, there's no way there. Neil, in all fairness, like, there's nobody there. And then to take the mother out, like, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry for his the circumstances. I am, but like, I'm I'm standing up for the nurses. And like, so there's am nobody I. there. You go, you go look for somebody. You know, you go look for somebody. Simple okay. as. Okay. Nobody takes their sick patient out of hospital okay. without telling I'm, anybody. I'm happy to pick up on this conversation in the morning, Linda. I don't know whether you're free or not. I hope you are because I, I want to finish the conversation properly. If you're in a position to talk in the morning, please let it be so because uh, I want to hear more from nurses themselves. You're going to be talking on behalf of many nurses. So try and make yourself available in the morning. But before I go, on a lighter note, your opportunity to scoop a €10,000 prize Courtesy of ourselves in Soundstore, Market Green Retail Park in Middleton. You need to call now 0818 104 106 for 10 grand that you can spend on whatever you want in Soundstore, Middleton. I need to know who these five voices are. Let's get the ball rolling, even if you don't think you know all five of them, right? Let's get it going so we can help each other along. As, as I'm speaking to you, I don't know the voices either. I love Corks. Right. FM. All right, 0818 104 106.